Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Depending on where you're listening and when you're listening, thank you for listening regardless. We are the Young Guns. I'm Boris, and as always, I'm joined by the one, the only, the Matt. Welcome, everyone, to a sold-out uh, Dover Court apartment. As we are here, Boris and, and I, Matthew, bonjour, uh, counting down the Royal Rumble, 205 to 1, ladies and gentlemen. Every single match that we could find that wasn't taking place in Saudi Arabia. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah, no, so... Yeah, so we're going through every single match that we could find on the Royal Rumble. And I think it should be said that we were watching the live versions. Not yes. the post-edited, you know, correction, the correcting, <laughs> the the removing of certain people, the removing of music and promos yes. and stuff like that. It was the live shows that we were watching for the most part. Certain spots, certain botches, certain colorful things that uh, have been scrubbed from WWE memory uh, for good reason uh, in some cases, as we will get into. Uh, yeah, this was a ton of fun to do. And yeah, we did try to find the live versions. There was one or two cases where we couldn't, but uh, for the most part, we got it done. Thank you to the uh, Gray Web for uh, pulling that one off. And uh, yeah, just, uh, you know, thankful to be here. And thank you for listening to uh, one of uh, a few parts. I think we got six coming at you. Yeah, well, we it's going to be two parts, so this is the way that we're going to split it up. Part number one, which is what you're listening to right now, we're going to go f at 205 to 95. That's part one. We're going to have also an interview with Danny Granger, or who, how you may know him as Danny Granger Art from the social medias. So that's part one. And then part two is going to be 94 to 1 with a couple more interviews and you know, nothing like a good top 94 list to keep your attention. <laughs> exactly. So, you know, I got to ask, why? Well, for two reasons. One, I'm insane. And two, I'm lonely. No, I I just, you know, I, I love wrestling and I feel like this is a good way. We have this platform somewhat, like not like, you know what I mean? But like, yeah, in order to celebrate wrestling, in order to assault my OCD, and because there's a fucking global pandemic going on, Boris, ain't like there much else to do. That's exactly it. So, you know, and when you told me this plan back in November, I'm like, okay, this sounds cool. I'm going to do it. So about halfway through, I'm like, oh my God, I've watched way too much wrestling. But I got to say, you know, it reminded me that Royal Rumble is so much fun. Uh, you know, from 93 and on, it was really the kickoff to the road to WrestleMania. Um, so, as we're going through the list, Matt's... So, this is the first time I'm hearing the list as we go through it. So, you, you're going to be hearing my actual reaction to some of the, some of the matches. I'm going to intervene and uh, we're going to talk memories. We're going to talk fun. We're going to have fun. We're going to drink some beers. And I think it's going to be a good old time, Matt. Yeah, absolutely. And as always, if you're out there, you're listening, if you agree, if you disagree, if you want to, you know, uh, in a respectful way, please feel free to re uh, reach out. If you flame me, it probably won't answer. But I'd like to hear from you nonetheless. I'd like to hear what you think. And, uh, you know, if anybody, I, I hope that you get some enjoyment out of some piece of this magnum opus. This is your magnum opus. This for is sure. indeed a magnum. <laughs> Magnum P.I. That, that was like an 80s show, I believe. Yeah, it was. It was. I don't even know what I'm talking about anymore. All right, so without further ado, let's kick this off.
All right, it's time. We're going to be talking about all, all things Royal Rumble. And the, as the young guns, we're going to be injecting new ideas into the world of podcasting. So, Matt, what do you think our rating system is going to be today? I think we should go uh, eliminations. Just a nice classic over-the-top rope eliminations out of five. All right. I like that. I enjoy that. I appreciate that. All right. So, I think it's time for us to get right into the list. So, Matt, explain to our listeners what you've done, what we're going to be doing, and how this is going to work. So, basically, I have watched every single Royal Rumble from 1988 to uh, a couple nights ago, 2021. And uh, we're going to rank every single findable match on the pre-show and or pay-per-view show. I have found 205 matches. We're going from 205 to 1. And we, I have I have them broken up into tiers. They are they are the star rating, the elimination rating system, essentially. And uh, yeah, we're going we're gonna to have some fun. We're going to talk some Royal Rumble memories. A, a quick little bit about every match and try to get through this as, as fast as possible, Boris. In, a, in an entertaining way, of course. Exactly. That's the whole point. We got to be a little entertaining sometimes. So I think this is a great opportunity, especially because the Royal Rumble 2021 edition just happened. So it's just fitting that we can actually talk and include the 2021 matches in this list. Yeah, we we were going to do this before, but we decided it would a be more evergreen, and b it would just be it would just be a cool twist on the gimmick to include the show that just happened and see how it ranks historically, Boris. Exactly. That sounds great. All right, Matt. So without further ado, I'm going to pass the proverbial mic to you. Not a euphemism. <laughs> All right, here we go. So there are two matches in the history of the Royal Rumble pay-per-view that I think are worthy of the quote Brian Alvarez minus five-star rating, which to me uh, I define as uh, a match that is not only bad, not only embarrassing to wrestling and its fans, but a contender for the worst fucking thing that I have ever seen across any form of media. Wow. So, it's worse than, like, I don't know. I can't even think of what would be that bad. It's worse than Temptation Island, Boris. It's worse than... You know what? I'm glad you said Temptation Island, because if you had brought up Vanderpump Rules, Real Housewives, or Below Deck... I would have kicked your ass and kicked you out. If I would have remembered Real Housewives was, was a show, I probably would have said that. Anyway, the single worst match in Royal Rumble history, number 205 out of 205. Michelle McCool versus Mickey James for the Divas title, Royal Rumble 2010. Now, Boris, do you remember the infamous Piggy James storyline? Unfortunately, it's one of those things that while I was watching wrestling every single week, every single show, I was watching enough to know that this was a thing. Yeah, for the uninitiated, it was terrible, terrible. For the uninitiated, uh, Michelle McCool and Layla were playing the classic uh, mean girls, bitchy bully heels. And they were uh, bullying Mickey James incessantly for being fat and ugly, despite the fact that your television screen could clearly indicate that is false. So through a never-ending series of vignettes, they just kept hammering it home that Mickey was this gross woman. And you, you could talk about the match itself, it, which was terrible. But all you really need to know is that Layla saunters to the ring in a pig costume which wasn't the first time they had done that. That was just a running gag. So yeah, the oh, the only thing that saves this from being among the worst matches ever is that the good guy did win in the end, but still, an embarrassing, abominable professional wrestling display. Here's the thing about WWE. I love the fact that you brought the fact up that the good guy 
actually won. Because I wouldn't put it past WWE sometimes to actually give this program to the heel. Oh, I'm, I'm sure they won every step of the way <laughs> up and down the card getting there too. But at least, yes, Mickey James did pull this one off in the end and win the title and everyone was happy. But yeah, uh, embarrassment, do not watch it. Speaking of embarrassments, number 204, The Boogeyman versus John Bradshaw Layfield from the Royal Rumble 2006. Here's the thing I wish I were making up. Fresh off the heels of eating a disgusting growth straight the fuck off of the face of Jillian Hall, all-time wrestlecrap gimmick, the Boogeyman squashes former world champion John Bradshaw Layfield in under five minutes and then spits chewed-up worms into Jillian Hall's mouth. I 100% remember this, and I just remember thinking, I need to stop watching wrestling. <laughs> Truly vile, terrible television that no sane or well-adjusted human being could possibly define as entertainment or wrestling. Now, I have a question. Was Were these last two matches on the main card? These were, yeah, these were both on the main. People had to pay money, $49.99 perhaps, I think it was at the, at the, at the time period, for these for these. Displays of professional wrestling greatness. Among the worst things I've ever seen in my entire life, those two matches. Wow. All right. So we're going a slight step above here. Now, these are still negative star matches, still an embarrassment to pro wrestling and ourselves. But unfortunately, I think it does get worse out there. That is, that is my criteria for these next two matches, which I have defined as minus one star. <laughs> minus one. Elimination. Minus one elimination. Yes, sorry. Thank you, Boris. So, number 203, the Bushwhackers, Butch and Luke, versus the Beverly Brothers, Bo Beverly and Blake Beverly, from the Royal Rumble, 1992. Now, this match was about Jameson. Do you remember the works of Jameson, Boris? You know what? I... As soon as you said this match, I'm like, oh my god, I remember this perfectly. I remember the angle. I remember watching the lead-up into Superstars. Oh my god, this is just so... You know what, though? Luckily, no one cares about anything else except for one thing from 1992. Yes, absolutely. And that is, well, Bobby the Brain Heenan on commentary, just absolutely murdering it and killing it in 1992. So the works of Bobby the Brain Heenan and Gorilla saved this from being all-time bad stuff. But this is a shamefully stupid match and gimmick. And even with the gargantuan efforts of the great commentary team, this was unfunny, insensitive, and completely irredeemable. I'm not going to get into exactly what Jameson was portrayed as, but let's just say I can no longer say the word without being canceled. Well, that's the thing, right? That's exactly it. And it just goes to show you many things. Number one, we've changed a lot as a society. Sometimes, for the most part. Number two, wrestling for being this, you know, for having that be a star program. They've done some horrible angles. Oh, terrible. Terrible, terrible bullying. Like, in the in these last three matches, we've seen examples of just horrible, disgusting shit. And this was, this was happening in, in different time periods. We had, what, 92, 2010, all over the place, Boris. But... One more, one more fairly embarrassing moment from the WWE here. Match number 202, the Mountie versus Coco Beware, Royal Rumble 1991. So the story here is that the Mountie, in the middle of the match, for heat, does a Nazi goose step, promptly getting this match cut off of the Coliseum video release of the show. And now, to be clear, I'm not 100% that it was the Nazi. It might have just been that the fact that 
that this match was god-awful and fucking irredeemable and horrendous anyway, but I'm pretty sure that it was the Nazi heel walk that got this thing cut from the WWE's oeuvre. And, uh, you know, regardless, if the WWE is embarrassed by you for whatever reason, you're pretty fucking embarrassing, Boris. That's my conclusion here. I agree. Wow. <laughs> uh, quick aside, do you remember when the entire world agreed that Nazis were bad and then, then when you did a Nazi thing, you were bad and you got booed? I think the Mountie would probably be a babyface in 30 to 35 states. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> so those are the negative star matches in Royal Rumble history. Everything from this point forward is just a garden variety, sizable fail or better. All right, let's do this. Let's see what you got. And for the record, let's also tell all our listeners, I have no idea what this list looks like. We've watched some shows together. We've talked about some rumbles. But for the most part, this is all you, and I'm listening to this for the first time myself. Ah, I love it. Uh, uh, Playing along with the audience, Boris. All right, so match number 201, John Cena versus Kane, Royal Rumble 2012. Part of the Kane, Cena, Zack Ryder, and Eve Torres storyline, one of the few cases in wrestling history where an open attempt to bury someone actually worked, and the fans gave up on him, and he was a shithead loser forever. Talking about Zack Ryder right now. To this day. To this day. Sorry, Matt. Yeah, Cardona, not me. Yeah. <laughs> Here we are in 2021, dear sweet Matt Cardona cannot catch on in either AEW or TNA. A bad wrestling match centered around a bad storyline. Not quite embarrassing to wrestling, but only because WWE is so often this corny that I would argue the layman now expects all of wrestling to look exactly like this. Exactly. And this is the thing. So, before we move on, I remember watching this match with somebody, a lady friend, and... It was one of those moments in my history of watching wrestling where I'm like, oh, dear God, I'm so embarrassed. Yeah, right? Like, yeah, just just brutal, terrible, horrible entertainment. Just just created to embarrass one person successfully. The viewer. <laughs> yes, successfully. Job well done, Vince McMahon. All right, match number 200 from Sunday Night Heat before the Royal Rumble 2005, Maven versus Rhino. As a teenager, I remember wondering why Maven didn't catch on more. As it turns out, Maven was bad at wrestling. That's why he did not catch on more. This could be the worst match of Rhino's career, which is saying a lot, seeing as he teamed with Heath Slater. (laughs) (laughs) All right, (laughs) so that's number 200. Number 199, also from Sunday Night Heat, this time 2001. Kyan Tai versus Low Down, Chaz and D'Lo Brown managed by Tiger Ali Singh. So it may uh, surprise you all to find out, but the tag team of Low Down did not go on to great heights. <laughs> I don't think Tiger Ali Singh went on to great heights. No, I, I, don't ever. Think, I don't think he ever did anything on TV in WWE of note. Uh, so this was this was interesting because this match was for the final spot in the Royal Rumble. The winning team would have to find, de- declare a member to join. But after Lowdown, spoiler, the shitheads in neon fucking green win. Uh, so, so okay, so Lowdown wins, but in a backstage promo in the 2001 Royal Rumble, Vince McMahon takes their spot away and gifts it to who, Boris? The current host of The Price is Right, Drew motherfucking Carey. That's how it happened. <laughs> 
I oh my god. So so in, there's a different world where uh, Chaz or D'Lo Brown makes that legendary uh, Drew Carey appearance at the 2001 Royal Rumble. It would have been worse. It would have been worse. All right. <laughs> uh, number 198 from the Royal Rumble 2003, Don Marie versus Tori Wilson, a match centered on death by Snoo Snoo. This is where uh, Don Marie dated Tori Wilson's dad, Al Wilson, and uh, for lack of a better turn, uh, term, fucked him to death. Hold on. Whoa. I'm, I, I thought we were talking about Charlotte and Lacey Evans for a second. <laughs> That's later. That's uh, that's in February. That's Elimination Chamber. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, so seek this match out only if you're an Al Wilson completionist. It was quite bad. That entire storyline was so cringe. <laughs> Every week was cringe. The wedding was cringe. Everything was so cringe. Oh, my God. The uh, There there haven't been a ton of great wrestling weddings uh, ever. I thought AJ and uh, Daniel Bryan's wrestling wedding was actually really good. I thought that was a great wrestling wedding. That could be the worst wrestling wedding. Don Marie and Al Wilson. For the record, let's just put this out there. We're recording before the AEW wedding. That's true. There's a chance that the, that the beach break wedding could be the worst wrestling wedding. Uh, okay, so moving on. Match number 197. Judy Martin versus Rockin' Robin for the WWF Women's Title Royal Rumble 1989. Uh, so I think the main problem with this match is that Stephanie McMahon was only 13 years old and thus hadn't invented and perfected women's wrestling yet. <laughs> I wish you could. I wish the people can hear me laughing. The mic isn't picking up my laughter as much as I wanted to. Uh, I I can't just laugh at my own jokes, Boris. you got to sell me a little bit here. Anyway, this is a low-end WWF women's wrestling match from the 80s. Not exactly the women's revolution. Uh, You probably don't need to go back and watch this one. Moving on. Match number 196. Luna Vachon versus Sable strap match. Royal Rumble 1999. Fun fact. At the start of the documentary Beyond the Mat, Vince Russo instructs Sable to sell the back. Whatever you're doing, just sell the back. It goes exactly as well as you would expect. When you watch this match, which is the match in question, pretty fun, but that's the only only thing you need to know. The only trivia note worth noting about Luda Vachon versus Sable. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah. All right. Match number 195, Heidenreich versus The Undertaker casket match. Royal Rumble 2005. In the annals of WWE, uh, Boris, how many wrestlers are worse than Heidenreich? Can you name five? Uh, yes. <laughs> St- hold on, I have a question. Does Cody Rhodes and Stardust count as one or two? <laughs> oh, that's not fair. Get out of here. Get out of town, Lester Brown. They, they would count as two, though. Those are two, <laughs> two clearly different gimmicks. <laughs> All right, so can you name three wrestlers worse than I? No, but this is possibly the worst casket match ever, which is saying a lot because casket matches usually suck a lot. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But they are cool on house uh, house short tours. Yeah, for sure. I actually saw uh, uh, Undertaker versus Kama Mustafa casket match in 1995, I want to say, in Sudbury, Ontario. Wow. I watched in Maple Leaf Gardens, Undertaker... Versus Yokozuna, casket match. Oh, the double deep, double wide? Dirt. Yeah, man. That's unreal. Oh, man. Oh, you remember house shows? What a thing of the past. You remember going out? <laughs> what a what? thing of the past. What a thing of the past. Oh. Just for our listeners to know, there's pexy glass between us. <laughs> yeah. Now we live in the same building. It's uh, 
It's okay, bubble-wise. Anyway, match number 194, Big Boss Man versus Hacksaw Jim Duggan. Royal Rumble 1990. A bad match with a bad finish. So the thing that really sucked about this match is Boss Man's turning babyface in like a second anyway. Yeah. He's babyface by WrestleMania six. Uh, so he could have afforded a loss to the hacksaw here or just have him win because he's going to be popular anyway soon. Like it'll help him along. What they gave us was not something like it just didn't need to exist at all. They didn't want to have either guy lose. It was a bad match. Why did it exist? Fuck it. Don't watch it. Yeah. I remember this one really well, actually. I remember the 19, the early nineties, honestly, I just remember so well wrestling wise, the attitude area for me. Yeah. I remember the major stuff, but it wasn't as good as people remember, so yeah. there's a lot that I forget, and I a lot that I want to forget. But the early '90s, I really remember really well, and I remember Bossman when he turned into the good guy. Yeah, it was really cool. Like it was it was fun. So I agree with that assessment. Like, you know, and this is where WWE, like, it just goes to show you, 30 years later, yeah. they're still scared shitless. Of giving someone a clean win. And it still hurts the product. And you can see in different uh, wrestling companies, obviously not just AEW, but sometimes in AEW, clean losses aren't the end of the world. So, match number 193, Brutus the Barber Beefcake versus the Genius, also from the Royal Rumble 1990. Genius, actually pretty good. Basically the best possible case scenario of Peter Avalon's career is the Genius. 100%. 100%. (laughs) He's got the blood of the Poffles family fucking going through his veins. He's a gymnast. He's a great athlete. Way ahead of his time. Unfortunately, he was against Brutus the Barber Beefcake here. So, bad match. But, uh, you know, the genius, he had some charm to him. Match number 192. The Miz versus Montel Vontavious Porter for the United States title from Royal Rumble 2010. Boy, if you think the Miz sucks now, Boris... <laughs> oh, I know. Oh, I know. January 2010, Miz. Ugh. The visibly inferior wrestler here out wrestles MVP and pins him clean. Clunky, disjointed, bad wrestling match. Don't ever watch it. Match number 191. The Ascension, Connor and Victor, versus the New Age Outlaws, badass Billy Gunn and the road dog Jesse James, from the Royal Rumble 2015. Hands up if you've completely forgotten the New Age Outlaws mid 2010 return. I remember this really well oh. because I'm like, why is this happening? <laughs> this is like the most watered down version. And this is the thing. Ever since DX reunited in like, what, 2006 or so, it, it was a watered down version. You know, the PG DX yeah. is just not the same. PG Badass Billy Gunn, mm. not the same. He yeah. couldn't even say his own name for half the time. Yeah, Road Dog had to bleep his own entrance. Yeah, it was, it was, a, it was a bad, bad For the thing. record, we watched this match together. Pretty fucking fucked up. Yep. And it was still bad. It was, it was very bad. We couldn't get drunk enough to make it good. All right. So those matches were one star, 20%, sorry, one elimination out of five, 20% elimination percentage. Now, these matches going forward, this is a chunk, a new tier. Our new tier is one and a quarter eliminations, 25%. Slight distinction, but an important one, Brewers. It's a fail, but it had a little certain something about it, this fail. Yep, I, I, I'm, I'm feeling you. I'm feeling you. I'm, I'm liking the list so far. I'm liking where you're going. Um, I can't wait till I start disagreeing with you. <laughs> All right, so I'm sure it'll come soon. Uh, match number 190, the Islanders, Haku and Tama versus the Young Stallions, Jim Powers and Paul Roma. Two out of three falls from the Royal Rumble 1988. So 
This is what sucks about this match. Jim Powers takes a Royal Rumble bump over the top rope to the arena floor, and he sells his knees so wildly, so cartoonishly ham-like, that it's impossible to take this match seriously from that point forward. And you know what? If this match had gone on before the Royal Rumble match itself, perfect, great, they're telling us a story, and that story is it's dangerous to get thrown over the top rope, Boris. You're, you're flying through the air, landing on the ground. Anything could happen. You could die. But what happened was, this match went on after the 1988 Royal Rumble, um, in, in the old antiquated 80s format of put the most important match on the show in the middle or the start so that everybody sees it. Anyway, um, instead of a clever setup for the Royal Rumble, we saw 19 men get thrown over the top rope without incident, and then this one jabroni shithead get thrown over the top rope and act like he was caught in a fucking bear trap. So yeah. it was a ridiculous and dumb match, and the only saving grace was Jesse Ventura, Vince McMahon, and Haku slapping the shit out of Vicious. Yes. Yes. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Very good. Moving on. Match number 189. El Canek, Hector Garza, and Pero Aguayo Sr., I believe, versus... Or is that Junior? I think it's Senior. It's Senior. Versus Fuerza Guerrera, Heavy Metal, and Jerry Estrada, Royal Rumble 1997. A slow, botchy, old man lucha tag in front of the San Antonio faithful. Not very good, but I'll tell you this. Listening to those three announcers, that's Vince McMahon, Jim Ross, and Jerry Lawler, call a match between these six guys, a total trip. Yeah, I remember this really well. Because I remember around this time, uh, because it was in San Antonio, they wanted to have more Latino-influenced stars um, in, on the card, and this is one of the matches. And this is very similar to Canadian Stampede having Jerry Lawler and, or was it Jerry Lawler and Jim Ross who called that match against um, Takamichi Nico? Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And the, and the, and the and, great Sasuke. Yeah. Vince, Vince McMahon was probably on commentary for. Uh, yeah, Canadian I think it was Stampede the three of them. Too. Anyways, yeah, yeah. anytime you bring in these foreign stars yeah. who are great workers, and you have them in a WWE setting. We should have known better as fans Absolutely. way back then. Yeah. But but you know what? Uh, there was there was some Lucha highlights uh, from this little late 90s Lucha boom, and we're going to get to them later. They might not have come from where you expected, but they, they, they did come for us. Anyway, match number 188, Ahmed Johnson versus Farouk, also from the Royal Rumble 1997. Terrible match. Just a, a slow, boring grudge match with a terrible finish. Possible that I overrated this one. One and a quarter eliminations might be generous. But you know what? I did like Farouk. I did like this feud, God help me. I was 10 years old when it happened. But, you know, we we're talking were wrestlers worse than Heidenreich. Ahmed Johnson might be one, Boris. Yeah. I think everyone who we ever faced and stiffed no. would agree with you. Yeah. Back-to-back terrible matches from the sneaky, awful Royal Rumble 1997. Yes. All right, moving on. Match number 187, the Legion of Doom, Animal and Hawk versus the Natural Disasters, Earthquake and Typhoon. So, highlight of this match, in the pre-match promo, Hawk gets off a great line. The Natural Disasters want to throw their weight around. Well, we want to throw their weight around too. (laughs) Awesome. (laughs) By far, far and away the highlight of this match. Slow, boring match, cop-out, indecisive finish. That's about good old... Early 90s WWE booking there. Yes, sir. That's In a nutshell, that's it right there. But at least Hawk had a sweet little promo. Uh, Match number 186, the Bushwhackers, Butch and Luke versus the fabulous Rougeau brothers, Jacques and Raymond Rougeau. Three cheers to Jacques Rougeau for willing this match into something that wasn't a total waste of my time. 
Having said that, there were multiple arse-biting spots in this match, yep. so it's possible that this was negative stars, and I'm just a Mountie Mark. You're a Mountie Mark, but I'm a Mountie Mark, and <laughs> it's your list. He's Who handsome, cares? he's brave, and he's strong, Boris. How could you Because he's him? the Mountie, <laughs> and, and he enforces the law. <laughs> we can try to run, and we can try to hide, but we should probably finish this list. All right. <laughs> um... Match number 185, going back to the 1999 Royal Rumble, Sunday Night Heat. The Job Squad of Bob Holly and Scorpio versus Too Much, Pre-Too Cool, Brian Christopher and Scott Taylor. Now, other than Shane McMahon's 1999 commentary, the real MVP of this list, this was a lukewarm bowl of vanilla nothing. Yeah, yeah. Canadian fans don't realize how gold Shane McMahon on commentary <laughs> with Jim Cornette. Yes, on Sunday yeah, Night that's Heat. the thing. That's the balance. Because Shane McMahon was like basically an excited like fourteen year old child, and Jim Cornette was the babysitter, and it was a hilarious dynamic. It actually, it's not that Shane McMahon was good, but that dynamic was so funny. Oh yeah, because Shane marked out so much while watching matches on Heat. It was great, and then he had Jim Cornette saying, "This is shit," <laughs> basically in, in not so flowery language. Yes. Moving on, match number 184, the Bella Twins, Brie and Nikki Bella versus Paige and Natalia, Royal Rumble 2015. I gotta say, Boris, I forgot how overtly sexual Paige's wrestling style was. Yes. She was 20 years after her time. Yeah. <laughs> on top of it all, she was over the top with the whole Natalia thing, if you remember. I actually don't remember much of that. Gimmick. Oh, the, the promos where she'd be like, oh, Natty. Hmm. Like, it was just, it was, it was raunchy. Perhaps I should revisit these promos, <laughs> Boris. <laughs> uh, and anyway, a uh, shout out to Nikki Bella for easily being the biggest star and, in my opinion, best wrestler in this match, at least on this night. But yeah, Nikki improved a lot by the time that 2015-ish rolled around. Yeah. Anyway. Unfortunately, you know, her neck issues yeah. really got really bad yes. around then. But before her neck got, gave up, she was actually not horrible. No, no. She, she was, like like I said, she's massively improved. Similar to a Trish Stratus. You wouldn't think, having seen her day one, that she would get so good. Yeah, sure. <laughs> we'll take it. Uh, match number 183. Cody Rhodes and Goldust versus the New Age Outlaws. Royal Rumble 2014 pre-show. I feel like we can see this in two weeks in AEW. <laughs> Just going to say, hands up if after two mentions, you still don't remember the New Age Outlaws in 2010 to, to 15. Sorry, the mid-2010s. Anyway, the old ass men pin Cody Rhodes clean in the center of the ring to win his tag team titles. Something, something, AEW. <laughs> no comment. <laughs> Match number 182, Mankind versus Mankind's Mystery Opponent, Royal Rumble 1999 Sunday Night Heat. Uh, so this was Mabel in a ski mask, so that's how this match went. Not offensive, but not good in any way. It was also Mankind hours before possibly the most violent match of his entire career. And yes. he knew he was about to fucking die, so he was not going hard here. I remember. I remember this match really well. This entire card... I remember just because of that Rock Mankind match. Something else. Something else. Very hard one to rank, but we'll touch on that later, of course. Match number 181, Mascarita Sagrada Jr. and La Parquita versus Mini Vader and Mini Mankind from the Free For All Royal Rumble 1997. Now, 
Mascarita Sagrada Jr., a Lucha highlight in 1997. He would have an awesome little stint as Max Mini. I think this was possibly his first appearance in the company. And, you know, he stood out a lot here. He was the only thing that was even remotely good about this. Yeah. Yeah. Again, this is a match that was meant... You know, if you took the 1997 Royal Rumble and turned it into a house show... You wouldn't even realize. The no, yeah, absolutely. Just take that rumble off the card and put like Austin and Brett for two, two solid 20 minute chunks or something. I don't know. Two or three yeah. falls. Give them that time and you're good. Yeah. And the reason why I say that is mainly because, you know, for house shows, you always try to pump up the local talent. And that's what the 1997 uh, Royal Rumble was. It was just, you know, at the end of the day, it was a show for Texas and a showcase for Shawn Michaels. Yeah, big time. And and they were, they knew that, uh, or they they hoped and possibly incorrectly that the AAA influence would help sell that thing out. I it obviously didn't help sell that thing out, but well, I can't say it didn't help. It didn't sell that thing out, but it probably helped. <laughs> anyway, yeah. Uh, moving on, match number one hundred and eighty, a fatal four way tag from the two thousand sixteen Royal Rumble pre show: The Ascension, Connor and Victor versus the Dudley Boys, Bubba Ray and Devon versus Jack Swagger and Mark Henry. Versus Damian Sandow and Darren Young. The winners of this match would qualify for the Royal Rumble. Weird, stinky match with a weird, stinky finish. Mark Henry and Jack Swagger win. I spoiled it so you don't have to watch it. You're welcome. Yeah, I don't remember this whatsoever. <laughs> you, yeah, you, you, there's a reason. Yeah, you know, you, That precious brain space, it's, it's too important. Anyway, match number 179. Irwin R. Scheister versus The Undertaker. Royal Rumble 1995. Part of the not-at-all-famous do-the-dead-pay-taxes? Who could possibly give a shit angle? Anyway, the Fiend would. The, the Fiend might give a shit, yes. Uh, bad storyline, bad match. IRS with his fucking extended ab- abdominal stretches holding onto the ropes. Arguably the most boring wrestler of the 1990s. Yeah, Cody Rhodes wasn't alive. <laughs> well, re- oh, as a wrestler. Yeah. Also, also, father of Fiend, you know? Arguably the most boring wrestler of the 2020s, The Fiend. You know what? A lot of people have this misconception of burying a wrestler. You don't get buried when you lose one match or one program. And that's a very common misconception with the internet wrestling community. But the way that Bray Wyatt was treated, you know, throughout the first five years of his career, where he would never win a program, that's burying someone. That just caps him. It just caps him. He's never going to be that. Even like, even Kane level, but like, forget the fucking Undertaker. It's obvious they wanted him to be the new Undertaker. That's never going to happen. But the fans won't forget the fact that he can't win anything. Anyways, conversation for another show. Yes, sir. Continue. Match number 178. The Body Donnas, Skip and Zip versus the Smoking Guns of Bart and Billy Gunn. Uh, I remember Sonny. Yeah, I was just going to say, Sonny, by far and away, MVP of this match, arguably MVP of the WWF in 1996. I have my top five, HBK, Brett, Stone Cold, Sonny, Alex the Pug Porto, in some order. (laughs) (laughs) You said this is 96? 1996. I would say Goldust is up there. (laughs) Goldust was great. Well, Razor Ramon was still kicking around. No, yeah. I uh, obviously was joking. Alex the Pug Porto does not belong. But Sonny was fucking great, man. She was awesome. And she was good at everything she did. She was a fine referee. She was a fine commentator. Good backstage. Great manager. She was awesome. She, everything she... You know what it was? She loved wrestling. She appreciated. She respected the business. She got it. Anyway. Yep. She surely gave us some sunny days. 
Yes. Uh, moving on. <laughs> Match number 177, Bam Bam Bigelow versus the Big Boss Man, Rumble 1993. God damn it, Boris. I wanted this match to be good. I so wanted it to be good. You see, I don't remember 1993 well, that well because we didn't order it. So I, uh, I didn't really know what happened. You know, I've seen it years later, but it doesn't like, you know, yeah. stand huge for me. You know, it's funny. I was, I was five going on six and that's one of the first wrestling shows that really sticks in my head. Royal Rumble 1993. And I remember cry- crying twice. We'll, we'll touch on that during that show. But uh, yeah, it was uh Broke my little five-year-old heart. But yeah, I, even back then, I love the big guys, and this was a boring match with a lot of bear-hugging. I would have loved to have seen this uh, in the 1990s in New Japan. Yes. Uh, match number 176. Big Boss Man versus the Road Dog Jesse James. Royal Rumble 1999. They tried to have a good match. They did not succeed. God bless the Road Dog. Why was this not a hardcore match? Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty much my analysis there. Moving on. Match number 175. The Acolytes, Bradshaw and Farouk versus the New Age Outlaws, Badass Billy Gunn and the Road Dog Jesse James. This match went two minutes. It had referee shenanigans. Nothing to write home about. But you know what? The hot, hot crowd and the incredible announce team added at least a quarter star to everything. A quarter elimination to everything the WWF did in this time period. Yep. Sounds about right. All right. Here's a little package. Of uh, matches, Sim- similar style coming at you. Here we go. Match number 174, Nia Jax versus Sasha Banks, 2017 Royal Rumble pre-show. Sasha Banks drags Nia Jax kicking and screaming to a performance that was not embarrassing. Match number 173, Bailey versus Lacey Evans, SmackDown Women's Title, Royal Rumble 2020. Bailey drags Lacey Evans kicking and screaming to a performance that was not embarrassing. Match number 172, Ahmed Johnson versus Jeff Jarrett, Royal Rumble 1996. Jeff Jarrett drags off you. You feel me here, Boris? These are some carry jobs, as we used to say in yep. the wrestling biz, which I've yep. never, ever once been a part of. Yep. And uh, one one aside I want to say about the 1996 Royal Rumble, it's been 15 years. I still can't decide if Mr. Perfect was good on commentary or not. Yeah. <laughs> Your thoughts, know. yes or no? Thumbs up, thumbs down. I'm going to give him thumbs in the middle. Ah, no, you got to decide. You got to decide. I'm going to give him thumbs up. Thumbs up? Yeah, you know what? He's perfect. He, he gets the thumbs up. All right. So, moving on. Match number 171. China versus Ivory. WWF women's title. Royal Rumble 2001. Very, very strange match. China gets literally 100% of the offense. Kicks the shit out of Ivory. Literally up and down the arena. Press slamming her in the, in the crowd. Not on the floor, but you feel me. Uh, gets her into the corner, does the great Muda style, handspring, what do you do, back elbow, collapses to the ground, Ivory falls on top of her, one, two, three, China has re-aggravated her neck. Yeah. So you know what, kudos to them for like coming up with something unique here, but uh, I would have liked to have seen Ivory do one single thing. Yeah. Just, yeah, just, this was a bad era where China refused to sell for women basically because she thought that she was above every woman on the roster, literally like in kayfabe, not even saying like she's better than them, like as a person or like as a performer, but just, she refused to because she thought her character was above that, which say what you will. Uh, I guess it was <laughs> mathematically speaking. Yeah. Anyway, match number 170, Bobby Roode and Chad Gable versus Scott Dawson and Razor Royal Rumble, 2019 pre-show. 
20 bucks if you remembered this one, Boris. Nope. <laughs> nope, not at all. So, somewhat interesting angle here, actually. Dawson and Razar teamed up because both of their partners were injured, and if their teams won, each of their respective teams would get a future tag team title shot. So there's a number of ways they could have gone with this. They could have won the match, and they could have developed chemistry between them. Like, oh, where are we going to go? Like, when our partners come back, they could have gone on a lower run. Of course, what happened is they lost a clunky match, and this was forgotten forever. Yeah. Yeah. So yet yet another fun little idea that could have germed off into something, but nobody really gave a shit at all. So fuck it. Here's the thing about WWE, and this is a perfect time to bring this up. And it's they come up with some very interesting concepts. Sometimes they do things really well, but the payoff and the long term storytelling just isn't there. No, and they, there, it's, it seems like there's rarely a long-term plan in place. Like, very clearly, it seems as though there's rarely a, a plan in place long-term. Yep, I agree. Here's one for you. Match number 169. The Funkasaurus, Brodus Clay versus Drew McIntyre, Royal Rumble 2012. Brodus Clay squashes your WWE champion in minutes. That's about right. Not the greatest squash match of all time, which is, of course, Boris... Goldberg versus LaParka. But, you know, it was a bit of fun. I, 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 I got to tell you, I was a Funkasaurus mark. Sue me. I always forget how much they wanted to push Brodus Clay on us. They really did. Vince McMahon loved that song. That somebody called your mama song. Yeah. Anyways, moving on. Match number 168, Bobby Lashley versus Test for the ECW title from Royal Rumble 2007. Uh, in an arguably rotten professional wrestling match, but you know it had a certain car crash quality to it, yep. Boris. Yep. It was fun Sounds to see right. baby Bobby Lashley and uh, fucking the baby bull that is Test try to pull something uh, interesting out of each other. So this is right before Bobby Lashley got into a program with soon-to-be ECW champion Vince McMahon. Yes, sir. The do-ragged one. Rockin' the do-rag, Vince McMahon. One of the all-time great Vince McMahon runs, honestly. I know people hated it, but they were meant to hate it. That was great heel stuff. And the culmination of this entire storyline and this Vince McMahon era was the limo explosion. Yeah, true. Former President Trump called him to make sure it was okay. Clearly, it was a very well-done segment. Um, Moving on. Match number 167. Another one that I found very difficult to rate, but I slid it in here. The Mountie versus Roddy Roddy Piper. Yeah, beer time. Yeah, well, let's cry. We're cracking one for this one. Here we go. Mountie versus Roddy Roddy Piper. Cheers, buddy. Cheesy 1990s wrestling entertainment here. Garbage wrestling match. Cheesy effect played at the end. Uh, the 1990s buzzer sound effect when when Roddy Piper shocks him with the shock stick. But you know what? The crowd was absolutely fucking molten for this and the Roddy Piper title change is one of the great moments in wrestling history it really is his reaction is so genuine it gives me chills to this day even his match later on this year at Wrestlemania Mm. was amazing versus Bret the Hitman Bret Hart yes great great match awesome match not bad eh Blood Brothers shout out to Blood Brothers they're uh, rocking it uh, near and dear to uh, my heart. Anyway, match number 166. We might have to cut that, Boris. <laughs> it's a little free publicity. Anyway, match number 166. The Miz and Miz Dow versus the Usos. Jimmy and Jay Uso from the Royal Rumble 2015. The exact opposite 
of the previous match. It is criminal how WWE just fights against themselves now. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. I'm going to disagree with you 100% on this match. Oh! You're, you're telling me that you didn't enjoy the entire Mizdow stuff. No, that's quite the opposite. I did enjoy it. That's why this match pissed me off so much because this was uh, there was a number of opportunities to pull the trigger on it, but this was a chance for them to actually do something with this. It was a chance for them to actually use Mizdow. Instead, Mizdow got like one and a half minutes of, of like whatever. He was just selling his ass off. Miz wouldn't let him tag in. The crowd turned on the Usos. The only person who was popular was Mizdow and he couldn't fucking do anything in this match. It was just terrible WWE not letting, just getting in their own way, not letting their organically created babyface shine. Yeah, I can see that, but I enjoyed the match a lot more than you, I guess. Yeah, I was just bitter. I was just fucking bitter the whole time, especially rewatching it. I was just like, oh, you rotten motherfuckers. Why Why didn't you let this man be anything? And I think the big issue rewatching this Royal Rumble was the fact that we knew what was going to happen at the Royal Rumble. Yes. So, yeah. you know, I think you were bitter watching everything leading up to that absolutely yeah but but this was still like yeah this this entire show was a master class on how to troll an audience basically which is not good it's not it's not a good thing anyway uh here's another one that i may have underrated match number 165 big show versus jbl versus kurt angle triple threat match from royal rumble 2005 I think I had high expectations for this at the time, and I remember being very disappointed. And then I rewatched it, and I remember being being very disappointed. A bunch of interference, bunch of chicanery, whole bunch of big show, and uh, you know, it, perhaps it's my fault for expecting something out of sixty six percent of this field. Yep, I agree. I agree one hundred percent because, like, I don't know, a lot of people have this like obsession with JBL and how good he was. I just never got into the entire JBL character. In his run, I think I think he had some great promos. He he like a, a, a couple of the things he did with Guerrero were a little too cheesy, and then some of them were a little too racist. But man, like he he got some real fucking heat, and like like that that uh, Judgment Day two thousand four match. That's one that I think at the time I thought was like five stars. Like it was too bloody, but that was the point on that specific day. Like that match is a fucking stone cold classic. Yeah, I'll never forget JBL Undertaker SummerSlam two thousand four here in A. Yeah, that's when the crowd just said "fuck both you guys" and started doing the wave. And I remember Undertaker as he's walking to the back, he just looked pissed off at the crowd. Yeah, I can imagine he was pissed. Yeah, and that I think that show was instrumental in Toronto not getting a wrestling show for like 15 years. 100. percent Like the crowd just said "fuck you" to the entire product. Absolutely. So that was JBL, and hey, what a segue! Speak of the devil. Match number 164, our final match of this tier, The Undertaker versus Yokozuna casket match, Royal Rumble 1994, double deep, double wide for the WWF title, Boris. This Very, match yeah. is uh, the go, quintessential go. just schmoz. Schmoz! It set the gold standard for bullshit in WWF. Off the top of your head, how many people ran in in this match to help Yokozuna? Ten. Ten! Ten humans. You got it right, by the way. It was ten literal different living. You know what's really sad? What's that? I remember because I counted <laughs> as a kid. Because I'm like, that's not fair. I remember this Royal Rumble was on a Saturday night because pay-per-views, like the big four sometimes were on Saturday. Mm-hmm. WrestleManias used to be in the afternoon. Yeah. It was weird times. And I remember Saturday night. And I'm like, this isn't fair. And I started counting. This is bullshit oh, and just remember at this time Owen Hart was my favorite wrestler so I, I was like I hated Brett 
because fuck the older brother. <laughs> I hated the fact that Yokozuna won. Uh, just a rough, yeah. It was a rough night. Rough night. But later on, my American hero pulled it off. <laughs> Very good. Need a hero. Uh, all right. So, yeah. Uh, if you're not familiar, 10 men uh, run in to help Yokozuna beat The Undertaker only to watch the dead man rise up to the very heavens after the match. Very bad wrestling. But tell me you didn't have a wee bit of fun the first time you watched it. Screaming at your TV as a seven-year-old. Hell yeah. No. All right. So, that's the tier of uh, 25% one and a quarter eliminations. Uh, basically, a fail. But, you know, it had a little had a little nugget of something to it. Now, this is a slightly better fail. We're going two out of five for a 40% uh, tier here. There's a lot of matches in this middle of the road, uh, as you'll see, obviously. But, uh, so yeah, this, these two-star matches are defined as fail, but strong effort. All right, all right. I respect, I respect. Let's go. Awesome. Let's move on. Let's see. The first of our actual Royal Rumble matches, the worst Royal Rumble match Royal Rumble 1991. The worst Royal Rumble. Nothing happening. Boring match. Man who wins it doesn't need the win. Commentary was weird. It was Gorilla and Roddy. Or was sorry. It was uh, Vince McMahon and Roddy. No, it was Gorilla and Roddy Piper. Lack of Randy Savage in the match. Broke my heart. He was my favorite. He will be my favorite until the day I die. Overall, the single most useless, boring Royal Rumble. You know what? I got to agree with you. This, the 1991 show was interesting just because I think that the crowd was dead for the actual rumble because fucking Sergeant Slaughter just beat Ultimate yeah. Warrior. Yeah. You know? Um, and I think that people at this time just didn't know who to cheer for. And I remember this rumble just not being that good even as a kid. No. Yeah, I, and I, I, I remember watching this. This was actually... This was the first tape that my aunt sent me from L.A. Um, so that I can continue watching wrestling. That's awesome. So it was the Coliseum nice. release of this. Nice. So yeah, it was a little little bit of a disappointing uh, match there for sure. Uh, match number 162. Chris Jericho versus China versus Hardcore Holly for the WWF Intercontinental title. Royal Rumble 2000. Uh, well, it was better than the 91 Royal Rumble match, I guess. Uh it's it just like I said before, man. It's hard to do a triple threat if sixty six percent of the field kind of sucks. <laughs> yeah, China was the only good thing in that match. <laughs> uh, what have I become now that I've betrayed everyone I ever loved and push them all away? Okay, moving on. So that was better than your singing from the last episode, but. I, man, no wonder people think I hate AEW. Or <laughs> because you openly hate them and make fun of them at every turn. Yeah, how could they possibly think that? <laughs> All right, uh, moving on. Match number 161. Eve Torres versus Layla versus Michelle McCool versus Natalia. Divas title, Royal Rumble 2011. So, oh, hold on, hold on. I need to hear this justification because I remember this match very well. Sure. So, so this was originally going to be a handicap match. Pre-match, the anonymous Raw general manager makes what was going to be Lay Cool versus Natalia into a fatal four-way with, ta-da, Eve Torres Gracie. <laughs> and Eve Torres goes on to win her first Divas title. What do you know? Nice little heartwarming moment. She would, she wasn't great yet, but she'd improve not to Nikki Bella levels, but to competent wrestler levels. Yeah. 
for sure. She improved a lot, 100%. I, I do yeah. remember, like, watching wrestling on and off around that era, and she wasn't the worst thing on the show. Absolutely. And I thought, yeah, you know, Natalia's always good. I thought Layla was kind of underrated, spunky performer. Michelle McCool had her moments. She was overrated by the company, but, like, whatever. A good little match. No, well, not even a good little match, but, like, strong effort from the ladies. Okay, yeah. All right, let's go. Let's move on. All right. Match number 160. Alicia Fox, Eve Torres, Kelly Kelly, and Tamina Snuka versus Beth Phoenix, Brie Bella, Natalia, and Nikki Bella. Royal Rumble 2012. Similar situation. Good little effort from the girls. I like that Beth Phoenix was a fucking boss in this match. That's all we needed. Yep. All right, match number 159, Jack Swagger versus Matt Hardy for the ECW title, Royal Rumble 2009. Didn't know this happened. Yeah, right? Could you? Did you have any recollection of Jack Swagger, ECW champion, feuding with Matt Hardy? I remember Jack Swagger in the ECW brand. I kind of remember him as champ. That's about it. Yeah, yeah that's, that's about all there was. Also of note, commentary team for this, Todd Grisham and Matt Stryker. This might be the worst called match on our entire show. I, I want to say something about Matt Stryker. I, I, I have been critical about him in the past. I will continue to be. I do think he was good for a moment in WWE before his like main Raw run. And I do think he's good now. He was good on Lucha Underground. He was really he was pretty good on Lucha Underground. I actually liked his work on Lucha Underground. I think he's fucking dire when he calls NJPW. He's bad on New Japan shows. I have not seen him call a AAA show ever in my life. I've heard he's quite dire. He's horrible, yeah. but it's also Vampiro. Oh, true. But they were they were good together on Lucha. I kind of liked them on Lucha Underground. Hmm. I actually did. Maybe just because I truly believe this. Matt Stryker from 2009 to 11, like the main roster, the single worst announcer of all time. Didn't didn't obey like the basic raw law of improv, which is like you know yes and you have to sell. He would oh like always interrupt. Just no sell as fucking commentator. Just try to get himself over. Try to act smart. Nothing he said makes sense. Making up facts. It was just it was a disaster. Well, he was still a part time wrestler at this around this time, right? I think he was. Yeah. So I think that's part of it is that he still yeah tried to put himself over as a wrestler, as True. a performer, as opposed to. What the product that's in the ring? Yeah, I think I think that makes sense. But yeah, this wasn't a great match, and the commentary actually actively hurt it. So yeah, two stars, two eliminations out of five. Match number one hundred and fifty-eight: The Bar, Cesaro and Sheamus versus the tag team of Jason Jordan and Seth Rollins. Royal Rumble twenty eighteen: A very strange match where Jason Jordan does like a concussion cell angle. If you remember this, and he's treated like an absolute pussy for it on commentary. He's treated like he's you know, it was a weird thing because the concussions are a very serious deal. It wasn't like he was milking a knee injury. It's just, it's just the, it's the wrong, the wrong thing to play with. I thought this was a, it pretty much ruined this presentation. It didn't, didn't have a chance to get out of the starting block, you know? Yeah. And sadly enough, like, you know, his career didn't last much longer than yeah. this. Um, and but that you know, if here's the thing, sometimes as we're watching these shows and trying to rate these shows, we forget the stories that were involved. So I remember around that time, and Jason Jordan was kind of seen as a baby, like he's not good enough. He's a uh, he's he's um you know he, he he so that was what they tried to portray there. But to that point, wouldn't it be good to go back in time, watch these shows? Not know or remember what was what the storyline was at the time, and still be able to tell the yeah. story. And I think that right there, Matt, 
is what this match was missing. Absolutely. There's a lot of context that yeah. we're missing. Well put. And yeah, they did nothing to inform us of said context. And I forgot completely. So, there you go. Uh, so, match number 157, the Dudley Boys, Bubba and Devon versus Lance Storm and William Regal, World Tag Team Titles from Royal I, Rumble. I, no, 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 any Lance Storm match should not be this low. Yeah, I know, I feel you. It, was, it, it wasn't much is the problem. I didn't really get a chance to get out of the starting gates. Dudley Boys took a lot. Uh, yeah, not a very memorable or good tag team match. Lance Storm and William Regal. Great tag team, had some good matches, had some great ones with Booker T and Goldust. Yeah. This this was not on the list. Yeah. That was 157. Coming at you, match number 156. Also a tag team match, Team Hell No, Daniel Bryan and Kane versus Cody Rhodes and Damian Sandow. Say the same thing about Daniel that you just said about Lance Storm, but it was the same kind of thing. It just never quite hit that yeah, level. It was just kind Cody of... Cody Rhodes was in this, it's all right. <laughs> God, you hate him. All right. Matt, you know what the funny part is? I actually don't. Even though at an ROH show, he did give me the middle finger right in front of my face for no reason. No, really? Oh, big (laughs) heel. The the nightmare. Yeah. (laughs) And he was a face. No, was he? Yeah. (laughs) What were you you saying to him? Jesus. Nothing. I don't know. I can see what He just finished a match with Will Ospreay. Oh, okay. And he's walking to the back. Cameras weren't even really filming anymore. <laughs> it was intermission. And he's walking, and he must have thought I said something to him. He just literally walks up to me. Boom! <laughs> middle finger. And I'll never forget that. Oh, wow. So you, you listen here, Cody. Boris wants you in the octagon. Fuck the wrestling ring. Anyway. The fight pit. <laughs> yes, of course, yes. The most dreaded of all pits. <laughs> okay, so that was uh, 156. Boris versus Cody Rhodes, the best belt feud in wrestling right now. Uh, match number 155, Carl Anderson and Luke Gallows versus The Revival, Dash Wilder and Scott Dawson. I have to think if we saw that this is Royal Rumble 2018, by the way. I have to think if we saw this on AEW TV recently or, or in the near future, sorry, it would be better. Uh, I didn't think this was very good at all, very average match. I, I here's, here's something. At this moment, as we're recording this, Luke Gallows is the most annoying man in wrestling. Thank you so much for saying X Pac Heat. I don't want to fucking see this guy do anything. I just fucking, they had to edit the AEW match because he was doing too many jerk off motions, is the report, uh, yeah. I guess, that came out today. Awesome. Cool, buddy. So you're officially 13 years old. His entire the yeah, anyways. I just I just can't with them right now. Yeah. I actually I actually don't want to ever watch Luke Gallows in a professional wrestling setting again. But you know, that's just because he's Acting like a twelve-year-old child. Uh, this you know, match. Hold on. Okay, I am gonna say this. You know how people give DX a lot of shit because here are these forty-year-olds acting like morons. The yeah. Bullet Club. Yeah. They're not young spring chickens anymore. No, absolutely. And like that's the thing. Like they're they're basically Vince. Uh, they're, yeah, they're basically doing Vince likes cocks right now. It yeah. was it was wrestle crap in two thousand six. Why are they doing that? Like I'm, yeah. Anyways. Yeah. Yeah. No, let's. Keep talking the Royal Rumble. <laughs> Moving on. Royal Rumble list. Match number 154 from Sunday Night Heat. Royal Rumble 2003. Spike Dudley versus Steven Richards. Not long enough to be great, but you know, they worked hard. It was a good little ECW tribute match without weapons or anything remotely resembling ECW at all. Something. It was, it was there. Yeah, I remember this match. And this is kind of the time when I'm like, man... This roster is so good, but if you weren't made bread by Vince, yeah. you were going to get buried. Pretty much fucked. Pretty much fucked. 
That was that was the story for a long time. Yes. Uh, match number one hundred and fifty-three: Ashley Massaro versus Mickey James. Special referee Trish Stratus from the Royal Rumble two thousand and six. When you just name these names, that's a fun, entertaining match. Yeah, right. That's not bad. And uh, yeah, no, it was part of the very famous Mickey James stalking Trish Stratus storyline, which is one of the one of the classics. Honestly, it was so well done. It's pretty cheesy, pretty base, if you will. But they they pulled it off, and the performances up and down that storyline were so and great. That the long term storytelling on that one oh, was fabulous. And this was proof that Mickey James could take someone who basically had no idea how to wrestle and have a good match with them, a, a, a competent match with them. So yep. hats off to Mickey James. She was really talented. And again, as we said before, disgusting that they did the Peggy James angle. She's one of the most beautiful and talented women that they've ever had in the company. All right. Um, match number 152, Jazz versus Trish Stratus with a unofficial special referee of Jacqueline. From the Royal Rumble 2002. And she wasn't really a gimmick special referee, but she got her own entrance. So we're going to count it. Um, yeah, again, these these ladies work hard. They would have better matches. But uh, you're not going to ever have a terrible match between Jazz and basically anyone. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Jazz is still kicking ass. Even though right now she's on her retirement tour. Lack of tour. I don't know what you want to call <laughs> yes. it. But Jazz is showing up everywhere right now and having some final matches. And she's still doing such... A good job. Yeah, she, I can like in NWA, she's done so well the past little bit. Um, I would love to see her on AEW oh. for you know the real women's belt. The real AEW, AEW. the yeah. real AEW women's title, the NWA women's title. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I feel you. Don't you love when I compliment AEW? <laughs> <laughs> so nice, so humble, so very good, so very good of you, Boris. Um, okay, so match number one hundred and fifty-one. Dudley Boys, Bubba and Devon versus Evolution. That's Batista and Ric Flair in a tables match. Now, this was the, the the type of table match where you only needed one table bump and not seven or fourteen, like a like a future tables match we'll see on this list. It was not without its charm, but uh, you know, it was what it was. Do you have any Do you have any, any memory of this the, of this uh, here one table table match? Very faint, <laughs> very faint memory that this was a thing. Yeah. You know what was funny about this is that the, the finish in a table match is usually, you can see it coming a mile away, and it's obviously, but this was the one that Wait, it was just like... they go through a table? Yeah, could you believe it? No, but it kind of was just like, yeah, I know it, it kind of ended just like in a hiccup. It was like, whoa, that's it? Like, Batista just randomly hit a spine buster and turned around, and it happened to be through a table that was there. Yeah, it's, just, it's yeah. like, oh, it's like the, um, when Alexa Bliss beat Becky Lynch for the SmackDown Women's Belt, the first run that she had as champ, it's just like, oh, that's just ended <laughs> cool yeah yeah exactly yeah exactly right so yeah uh strange ending but you know yeah they did they did work hard enough and rick flair is just so entertaining You're just putting rick flair in any kind of foreign environment is just going to give you something worth watching to some degree like a beast in the jungle in the heat of the rumble i ain't got nothing to lose All right, we're going to take a quick break at 151. So before we hit 150, Matt, I think it's only fitting for us to, you know, not only take a break, have a beer, have some water, but I think it's also important at this time to bring in some guests 
And the whole point of this show is talking about Royal Rumble. So, yeah, we're going to be talking about the Royal Rumble. We're going to be talking to wrestling fans. But we're also going to be talking to some really cool people. And here we are, joined by our first guest, Danny Granger. You probably know him on Instagram, Facebook, and other social media as Danny Granger Art, the Sharpie Art guy. Danny, thank you so much for joining us here on the Royal Rumble special. Oh, thank you, man. I'm stoked to be here. Yeah, it's awesome to have you. I know we've been talking about this for literally years to get you on the show at some point, and I'm like, you know what? The Royal Rumble special, it's special enough. We're going to bring in Dan. We're going to bring in Danny. And I think it's perfect timing because, you know, I think the past uh, few weeks, you've been uh, pretty busy. So let's go down your resume. You're a father. You're a husband. You're an Elvis impersonator. You're a wrestling fan. You do art with Sharpies. What else? What else is there, sir? That's me, man. That is me really wrapped up into a nutshell. Um, I'm a small-town boy from the town of Goddard, Ontario, up on Lake Huron, now living in the the big smoke, as they call it, downtown Toronto. And, uh, yeah, I'm a proud father and uh, husband. And, uh, yeah, I travel the world as an Elvis impersonator for a lot of years. And oh. uh, that's me. I love that so much. So I got to ask you, Elvis impersonator. It's not every day you get to interview an Elvis impersonator. So you got to tell me, how does one fall into this line of work? How does one find gigs in this line of work? And you got to tell me how much fun it was. A jailhouse rock. That's exactly what happened. I was going through my dad's old VHS tapes. I was like 13. So I was probably looking for like, you know, a porn. And, uh, <laughs> Yeah, just straight up. And I came across Jailhouse Rock, and I was like, oh, I'll watch this. And Elvis was so cool in that freaking movie, man. And all I knew about Elvis before that was just like 70s Elvis, right? You know, big Elvis in a jumpsuit and people making fun of him. But I came across that movie, and the first 15 minutes, Elvis kills a guy in a bar fight with his bare hands and just smirks and walks away. And I'm like, oh, who is this dude? And then I was just hooked on Elvis, man. Everything I did was about Elvis. That's awesome. That's really cool. So then getting into these gigs and doing the Elvis impersonation, like, you know, how prolific is this up here in the Great White North, especially in Goderick? Like, you know, I'm pretty sure that you've had to do a lot of traveling just to find gigs and whatnot. There's a legion in every town, right? And uh, legions do a lot of gigs because it's a lot of the older folk that grew up with that kind of music and a lot of nursing homes. Um, but yeah, and traveled quite a bit when I was younger. We would, did, uh, Brantford a lot, did a lot of shows in Brantford, Cambridge, Kitchener, um, and a couple in Toronto, but yeah, nothing too big when I was younger. So we just did a lot of stuff around the town, nursing homes, legions, stuff like that. Awesome. So before we started recording, you mentioned that you worked for Disney. How did this come about and when, when about was this? As soon as I graduated high school. So it was 2003. I got a phone call from a talent agent asking us if we wanted to uh, do a little thing for Disney. And so we were down in Florida for, um, I was down in Florida for about three, four months and uh, went to a bunch of the parks and MGM Studios walked around looking like Elvis for the Lilo and Stitch movies. I love that. I love that so much. And there must have been, I remember that time because Elvis was pretty huge just because of Lilo and Stitch. And, you know, they brought back a lot of the, uh, the, the music. And if I remember correctly, you know, it, some of the Elvis music got back on certain charts. So there must have been a lot of attention and, you know, seeing the, the, the reaction on kids' faces and whatnot must have been awesome. It was more the older folks, right? Like, the kids didn't get it. 
right they're there to see you know princesses and mickeys and stuff and but we'd always throw off the older folks where they look over see like lilo and stitch and then all of a sudden two guys standing there dressed like elvis right they were just they always thought that was pretty cool and we, yeah. we had fun with it for sure now we're gonna move on we're gonna start talking about your sharpie art why sharpie how did how did this one start I took a plumbing apprenticeship back in my hometown. So my wife at the time was here in Toronto and I went back to Goddard and I wasn't doing good. I was having a rough time and I was celebrating my one year of sobriety, I quit drinking. And I went to the, the shop that day and the night before the guys had a party. And so there was empty beers and puke and all this kind of stuff. And I'm like, I didn't feel good about myself that day when it should have been one of the best days of my life. And uh, I got home and I was just in tears and I called my wife and I go, well, what should I do? She's like, well, you haven't drawn anything in a long time. Why don't you go get a sketchbook? I only had $2. So I went to the store, got a sketchbook, came back, and I realized I had no pencils. That's exactly how it started. I looked into my work, looked into my work bag. There was a Sharpie. Uh, one thing led to another. I had some fun with it. People thought it was cool. I started developing a certain style that I really liked. Um, and it just... One thing led to another, and the Sharpie thing just stuck, and it's a nice little gimmick. Yeah, I love Man, it. That's you know, not... I know you're a wrestling fan because, you know, you obviously you have to have a gimmick. The, the man has a gimmick, and it's Sharpie art. Um, so, you know, you've been able to make some pretty cool acquaintances. You know, you've gotten your art uh, retweeted, shared, and by, you know, by people. What's probably the best experience you've had doing this, like where it just – touched you in 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 like in an emotional way in a happy way oh there's been a lot i've been really lucky that way um when i was 14 we went on a skiing trip and um these guys from high school a whole group of us went from high school and one of the the guys with his twin brother he's going down the hill and he had an accident and that day we lost him and i was 14 um well just recently i got to do a drawing of him for his mom. And I've drawn a lot of people that have passed away and for their loved ones. And it's an amazing feeling when someone could look at your work and you get instant tears. There's nothing better than that. Um, but it felt like a different level for me too, that I could draw him. And it felt like a weight that I've had on my shoulders for 20 years. It was just like the expression of just getting that memory of him out in all good ways and putting it on paper and giving it to someone like his mother just felt, it just felt really good. Oh, yeah. That's absolutely yeah. That's absolutely incredible, man. And you've got you've got a great story. It's really like it's really beautiful to to hear what you've been through and, and to hear how you're channeling it in your art. Um, yeah, if you go check out Danny's Instagram, it's he's got some really really good stuff up there. I definitely suggest everybody do that. I've noticed that like you, you pretty much predominantly, uh, at least uh, on social media, it seems that you post predominantly pictures about athletes. Uh, what drew you to athletes, and is there a specific one or two that you think are your best uh, selections? I guess started drawing wrestling at the very beginning um, a lot because it was just, it's what I love. So you always do what you love. Um, and then my style works well when it comes to muscle structure because I draw contrast because it's just the black. So it's, it's a lot of wrestlers and athletes are pretty muscular. So they have that really good contrast when it comes to shadows. Um, and that got me stuck to it. And it's, it's what I'm passionate about. Like I love wrestling. I love sports. Uh, I love music, so I do a lot of musicians. Um, and that's just, it's just, you you got to put your heart and soul into everything you do or there's no point of doing it. 
And uh, that was my, those were my passions. So that's why I do a lot of athletes and wrestling. Exactly. And trailer park boys. <laughs> yeah. I do a lot, a lot of trailer park boys. Yep, I've yeah. seen a lot of those posted and reshared and retweeted. I'm like, oh, I know where this came from. So that's always, that's always mm-hmm. fun to see. But over the past few days, you've been kind of posting and hinting at something. And I think over the past, like, what, two days, it was finally made official. The Doug Gilmore Authentic Collection. Tell me about this. What is this? Oh, man, that was a cool feeling. I was sitting at home in September, September 3rd. And uh, I get a message on Instagram from a company called 93 Marketing. So I checked them out, and they're a marketing company for athletes that is co-founded by Doug Gilmore. I was like, okay, well, this seems pretty legit. And he sends me a message, and he goes, we want you to do a design that Doug wants to put on T-shirts. And uh, I sat there for five minutes just looking at my wife, looking at my phone, looking at my wife, looking at my phone. And uh, I was like, yeah, 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 whatever you guys want to do, try to play it cool. I uh, did the drawing for them. They loved it. Um, Doug sent me this nice message, which blew my freaking mind. And then they loved it. I sent it to them. They paid me for it and so on. And then they called me back a week later and offered me royalties on the shirts, which I've never I've never had that experience before. So, like, that was just, okay, this is cool. And then a month later, they called me back and said, you know what? We like it so much that we want to use it as our logo, and we want to come out with a whole clothing line for Doug Gilmore wants to come out with the authentic collection and wants to use your artwork for it. Yeah, I was like, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, yeah, sure, <laughs> sure. All right, if that's what you guys want to do, whatever. And, uh, yeah, it just, it's been in the works since September, and it finally, the line dropped on Wednesday. And it, they're already sold out of the hats and most of the hoodies and it's just it's really really cool for me oh man congratulations that's so awesome especially seeing like how you started and like what like with what humble beginnings the whole thing came from that's so amazing congratulations dude well thanks man i appreciate that it's uh it's been a hustle that's for sure it's been a hustle it's been of course strong my whole life but like i've really uh really been putting in the hustle and it's uh it's coming to completion so it feels really cool that's awesome. Before we move too much further, yeah, sorry, sorry, Bars. I just had one last question. Like, you're a typical, like, just the main drawing of Doug Gilmore that you have up on Insta, for example. How long does, like, a typical just you with a Sharpie and a, a blank piece of paper, how long does it take you to complete, a, a, like, a drawing to the point where you're happy with it? It's done. 36 years. <laughs> Fair. Uh, <laughs> uh, no, it, it all depends on the drawing. Like, my wife gives me shit all the time about it because she's like, yeah, that drawing looks good, but you could have did it better. And I'm, she, she's right. She's right. Right. And it's just straight up. She's right. She, um, so some drawings could take two hours. Some drawings could take four. Um, but I can normally do one in a night or a night and a half. So if there's a lot of detail in it, it normally takes about four, uh, two to three hours. That's awesome. Yeah. I have yeah, some so nothing art. crazy. Yeah, I have some of your art proudly hanging on my wall, the Becky mm. Lynch Sharpie that you that you messaged me randomly. Um, I was literally drinking at some friend's house, and you're like, I got something for you that you're going to love. And oh boy, did I ever. Yeah, man, as soon as I drew it, I thought of you right away, and I was like, I got to reach out to that guy. He'll dig this. And I did, and I picked it up, and I loved it. <laughs> so now that we're talking wrestling, you know, you mentioned that you love wrestling. It's it's a love of yours. How long have you been watching wrestling for, and what got you into it? My whole life. Um, 
my dad owned a TV store. So he sold TVs and Amigas and Commodore computers. And um, we had a wall of TVs. And I had two older sisters, and I was a bratty little brother, so I got to watch whatever I wanted. So I put it on, and uh, my first memory was sitting there in my dad's store, my legs crossed, in my Brutus of Barber Beefcake t-shirt, watching um, Jake get the snake to bite Macho. And that was like, yeah, that was my first like real experience of like, what is this? And my dad also enjoyed it. So it was like the only thing we really had in common. So like, it was just that one common bond that we had. So yeah, I just, I loved it. Just started watching it. And then my dad took me to all the house shows whenever they came around. That is awesome. Because Matt and I, you know, for Christmas, we quote unquote gifted each other shows to watch and we're going to review them. Um, Unfortunately, we weren't able to do the show when we wanted to because of Brody Lee's death. So we just wanted to kind of honor him in the next episode. And, you know, we didn't, we, we waited, but that episode of superstars was actually what he gifted me so it's kind of fun because one of the conversations that we were having is that is the moment that a lot of people started watching wrestling like that's a lot of people's first memory as it pertains to watching wrestling so it's amazing that you brought that up um you know and being a fan for so long you know have you been a fan straight through or is this something that you've kind of gotten in and out of I was a fan my whole life till I was about 19. And then I discovered booze and ladies. <laughs> and, well, um, yeah, it happens. So I took a little break for the wrestling. Like, religiously, I was watching. So, like, you guys know exactly how it is. So take a little break means, like, you'll catch a raw here or there. All right? Yeah. So, or a pay-per-view. And then when I got a little bit older, and I, you know, was no longer chasing the women and uh, quit drinking... I was like, whoa, well, how am I going to do to fill my time? And um, I got back into wrestling and then got hooked again. Um, yeah, and I got hooked. I came back into it at a perfect time. It was like it was at a time where things were starting to branch away from just WWE and that. Um, and it was pretty cool for me. That's awesome. So this being the Royal Rumble special, let's talk a little bit about the Royal Rumble. It. Royal Rumble, that is being one of the top four pay-per-views. Um, you know, even those years that you weren't a fan, was the Royal Rumble one of those shows that you always try to watch? Rumble and Mania. Yep. Always. I, yep. I haven't missed one. Yep. Exactly. That makes sense. I think that's everyone's story. You know, they everyone tries to catch the Rumble, which is why I love WrestleMania season. It just brings a lot of attention to wrestling again. So it's a perfect time to bring in, you know, your biggest angles and whatnot. So... As it pertains to the Royal Rumble, what is your favorite memory of the Royal Rumble? Well, I when we talked last week and you told me we were doing the Rumble thing, I was like, oh, this is awesome. I'll go back. So I watched all the highlights of all the Rumbles. I'm not hardcore like you guys. I can't watch the whole thing. Um, but there's so many things that I just almost forgot because they don't replay it all the time. Um, Macho Man and Yoko. I'll never forget that, man. That was like the biggest sell I've ever seen in wrestling. <laughs> oh, my God. That, I, I, I was six years old when that happened. That made me cry. Literal tears yeah. of sadness. Oh, 100%. Because, like, I remember my dad took me to a house show, and Taker slammed Yoko at the house show. 
and uh, I looked over at my dad, and my dad's eyes were wide, and his jaw was dropped, and I've never seen him do that before. And so I always held Yoko like like that, guys. That he's unstoppable. Because he should have been. And I was just like, when he threw him over, I'm like, yeah, I get it. Yeah, yeah, he could do that. But why would he try to pin him? That's dumb. <laughs> you know? Yep. <laughs> so very, very dumb. Yeah. So yeah. So that, that, you know, you're talking about some of your favorites. Do you, does, does anything stand out to you as like your least favorite or, or particularly stupid or disappointing about a Royal Rumble? Oh, I don't know, man. I didn't like. Uh... Well, I thought I thought that was pretty stupid. <laughs> um, Fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> right. I I love I love me some Kofi Kingston. Um, and I think it's really cool when Kofi does that gimmick, how he doesn't touch the floor all the time. But I don't love me Naomi doing it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, you know what I mean? It's like they're sharing a gimmick. And, I feel uh, like, yeah, I, I feel I, you're, you're right on that. And I feel like this year's, like the 2021 version, where she just like put her feet in the air, was like the laziest one to date of all of the crazy no-foot spots, you know? Yeah, maybe she just had to be better safe than sorry. Yeah, true. No, I think I think they're running out of ideas, maybe. <laughs> yeah, but I always thought that was a little silly to have both of them doing that, like especially one match after another. Yeah, um, that's, that's a thing, right? Like it's one thing is you know it happens once or twice every few years, but every single year now it's something that everyone is is expecting at this point. Um, but you know it is what it is. Yeah, no, 100%. Yeah, no, you caught me off guard with that question because I was writing down all the stuff that I liked. <laughs> Sorry about that. Didn't mean hey, to don't be so- flex there. <laughs> Mr. Don't be sorry about that, brother, man. <laughs> well, keep you it got me going. thinking. Keeping it going, if you have to pick one Royal Rumble to take to a desert island, you can never watch another one for the rest of your life. What is the single favorite Royal Rumble? Royal Rumble 97. 97. 97, back when Austin went over the top rope, but the rest didn't see it. And then Brett got screwed. And I think that was like one of the first biggest times we ever saw Brett got screwed. And uh, growing up as a Canadian kid, Brett Hart was the freaking man. All right. Like he should be on the $5 bill. Right? <laughs> yep. Yep. He, he was the man growing up. So, like, to see him get screwed by someone I'm also not supposed to like, but I like, was just huge for me back then. So I watched it again now, and I was just like, oh, yeah, that's still good. So I would say the Rumble match of 97. That's awesome. I love it. I love it. All right, Danny, I don't want to take up so much more of your time, so I want to thank oh, you for it's great joining talking us. With you. As always, it's a pleasure for you to finally be on the show, and I hope that this is just one of many, many appearances on this show. But before we go, can you tell our listeners where they can find you on the social medias? Yeah, it's Danny Granger Art at um at all of them. So Danny Granger Art. You should also check out DougGilmore.com and um look in the in the shop section and buy one of my shirts. Yeah, I'm 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 looking at them literally right now. I'm like, hmm, which one do I want? I love it. Um so Dan Danny, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you, buddy. Like I said, we we'll chat soon. All right, Matt, it's time. We're going to go back to it. Number 150. Shibidi bra. Thanks for coming by, Daddy. Congratulations again, man.
match number 150, our most recent of the list. Asuka and Charlotte Flair versus Nia Jax and Shayna Baszler. Women's Tag Team Titles, Royal Rumble 2001 pre-show. Thought about it. Thought I had it a little higher at first, but then I was looking at the matches that were ahead of it, and I was like, I don't actually think this match was better than any of these matches. So yeah. I settled right at a clean 150. They worked hard, but you know what? Nia Jax is fucking dire, and it looks like she's not even trying anymore. Honestly, that's my takeaway from that match. There were points where she just, like, had no idea what she was doing. She was just flopping around and she's you know you know what my biggest beef in wrestling is right when you're waiting for the next spot yeah. and i feel like that's what nia Jax does all the that's time all she's doing yeah and she's yeah she's throwing these like weak little rabbit punches that like i don't know you're i don't know they just yeah nia Jax is looking like she's getting worse not better it looks it looks like she's also losing confidence almost maybe that's what it is dude honestly let's you know let's take this back a step the amount of criticism she gets, mm. yeah, she's not the best. Yeah, she probably shouldn't be on TV, but, you know, they keep putting her on TV. Yeah. So we can't blame her all the time. Like, we can't. But, yeah. you know, <laughs> there's that human element that I take into consideration. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, I feel bad for her in the grand scheme of things. I know what Having you mean. said that, yeah. I don't want her on TV. I, I, I couldn't agree with you more. I... I... I agree with every single word you just said. Yeah, yeah, I do feel bad for her, but like, yeah, you gotta, you're, you're there. You gotta put, you have some pride. Have some pride. Have some pride. <laughs> I don't know. All right, match number one hundred and forty-nine. Duke the Dumpster Drossy versus Hunter Hearst Helmsley. The nineteen ninety-six Royal Rumble free for all winner gets the number thirty. Slot. I remember this match. I loved the free for all. You'd see it on the on the in the little box in the corner on the preview channel. It yep. was awesome. But yeah, this match was uh, it was a bit of fun. It, it, there was some shenanigans, some bullshit. Triple H. There was a there was a dusty finish, and Triple H uh, did not get the number thirty. Actually, yeah, the winner gets number 30 and the, lose, uh, and the loser gets number one. Important to note, it's a weird gimmick. I, I kind of hate when they tell you who's coming out number one and 30 in the Royal Rumble, but it worked this one time. With a live crowd? Yeah. It's stupid. Yes. This year, people were bitching, oh, why do we know who who's number one and two in the men's Rumble? Well, does it fucking matter? Exactly right. No, it didn't. It didn't at all. So yeah, uh, in, in front of a live crowd, dumb. And this was in front of a live crowd, so you can argue it was dumb. But I kind of like. Well, hold on. Nineteen ninety-five was ninety-six. There was was there really a live crowd? <laughs> a quote live crowd from Fresno, California, USA. So yeah, probably not much of a live crowd at all. No. <laughs> See, it's funny because I know one time that we were talking in person, we were talking about like, fuck, when wrestling comes back, there's not, you know, there's reports that there's going to be no house shows and stuff, and I'm like, man. Thank God we live in Toronto because, like, Kitchener, Ontario is yeah. never going to see WWE again. Sudbury, never, ever see WWE again. Yeah. No. yeah. Yeah. A lot of those smaller towns have seen their last WWE show for sure, for sure. And Fresno being one of them. Fresno probably being one of them, yes. Match number 148, Bobby Roode versus Mojo Rawley, United States title, Royal Rumble 2018 pre-show. Bobby Roode, good wrestler, worked hard, pulled something out of Mojo Rawley, who is a bull in a china shop. Uh, I don't know really what else to add, except I, I, it was, I was expecting this would suck, and it didn't. Let's keep going. Match number 147, Chris Jericho versus John Bradshaw Layfield, Royal Rumble 2008. A very strange match. Possibly the worst match I've ever seen to feature this much blood. 
Yeah, you see, Chris Jericho, what surprised me about this match is the fact that Chris Jericho just got back November of 2007. And for the longest time, he thought he was going to feud against Randy Orton. Yeah. And then they put him in a feud with JBL. And it was so, like, out of nowhere, and it really didn't have much heat to it. So it felt like Jericho wanted to make up for that by bleeding like a stuck pig. And it was just, yeah, it was just, it was a, it was a mess. Uh, again, they really clearly worked hard, but, man. Man, JBL has been in some of the bloodiest matches that Absolutely. I've ever seen. Absolutely. Good call. Yeah, he really, yeah. Him and Dusty, just, they love their blood. <laughs> bloodbaths, bloodbaths. Match number 146, Batista versus Mr. Kennedy for the World Heavyweight title, Royal Rumble 2007. This was, uh, JBL was really, JBL was on commentary at this point. He was awesome. This was the height of his powers on commentary in this, like, mid-2000s before he came back, uh, to fight, to fight Chris Jericho in the Royal Rumble 2008. Anyway, in this mid-2000s original JBL commentary run, he was awesome. He was telling us Mr. Kennedy had beaten, I think it was seven world champions. And this was, yeah, JBL pulling a Bobby Heenan in this match, doing everything he can to, to make you care and make you believe. Remember when Mr. Kennedy was the most over gimmick and then he got, uh, he got, uh, he got suspended for the violation yeah. of the wellness policy. It was that like, was that. It was like suspension, injury, maybe another suspension, or maybe and it was heat. two. Yeah, maybe it was two injuries and one suspension. But yeah, he was he was looking like he could have been a real big star because he was literally pegged to be the oh, son yeah. of Vince McMahon. Yeah, and that ended up going the fucking hornswoggle. That thing. No. But I remember. I'll, I'll distinctly remember there was a promo. In Raw, around that time, where they were talking about Vince McMahon's kid, and I forget who the wrestler was there. That's the one thing I don't remember, but there was a third wrestler involved yeah. talking to both Vince and Mr. Kennedy, and they're talking about Vince's son. Vince walks away, does his strut. Mr. Kennedy walks away and does the Vince strut. And I remember the wrestler just looking at both of them as like, Maybe it was nah. Hunter. Maybe it was Triple H. Feels like a Triple H thing. But, uh, yeah, that's a great little promo. I should try to find that. That, that, that sounds great. Uh, yeah, good effort, but, I mean, it was Batista versus Mr. Kennedy. Come on. Uh, match number 145, Randy Orton versus Sheamus for Sheamus's WWE title, Royal Rumble 2010. This was after Sheamus had won the world uh, the world title, like, three months after joining the main roster from, uh, from John Cena in a tables match. Um Randy Orton, if you know anything about me, you know he's my boy. I love him. But when you when you picture like the quote unquote boring, quote unquote formulaic Randy Orton match, Boris, you're picturing this one. Yep. Oh, I'm picturing it right now. That's why I'm like, I yawned. <laughs> Moving on then. Match number 144, Kurt Angle versus Mark Henry, World Heavyweight Title, Royal Rumble 2006. Mark Henry's a guy I want to. No, sorry. I want to like Mark Henry more than I than I did. I I love Kurt Angle. This match didn't quite click. What do you What do you say? This is my thing. I love Kurt Angle. Kurt Angle is one of my favorite on the bike. Probably top five as an athlete. Top three. Yeah. And Mark Henry is such a good athlete. He knows what he's doing. He's he's a presence. He knows what's up. Nicest guy. Also met him in an airport in Ottawa, and. This is a match that I thought would be better. Yeah, same. I was very disappointed. That's cool that you met Mark Henry, man. That's awesome. He seems like he's such a nice guy. Dude, honestly, I was it was very weird because like I don't I'm the type of person who does I don't like bothering yeah, anyone. Yeah. But we were literally in the carousel oh, waiting Joe, for yeah. our bags. And I looked beside him, he's like, Hey, you're Mark Henry. He's like, Yeah, what's it to you? <laughs> 
Oh my god, what a worker! Fucking and love he, that. Man. He was with other guys. I forget who else he was with, but yeah, it was just so funny because I started laughing, uh, and he's like cracking up after he said that. <laughs> and then he's like, so he's like, "Are you going to the show tomorrow?" I'm like, "Yeah, man, I got tickets. I'm here for work, but I bought a ticket to Raw." He's like. Well, have fun. Oh, nice. That's dope, man. Yeah, he's fucking. Yeah, he seems like he's a very good man. Yeah, he seems beloved. Um, uh, yeah, but you know, yeah, very. As we said, we we both maybe had too too high expectations for this one. Uh, match number one forty three: Vader versus the Undertaker, Royal Rumble nineteen ninety seven. They worked really hard. Paul Bearer got involved a little too much in this one. It was kind of hard to watch. He was falling off the apron a little bit, and like, yeah, he was. He was. Uh, he Paul Bearer was not in uh, in his best shape at this point. But you know what? They they did work hard, and I liked Vader in WWF. He was underrated. He 100% was. Unfortunately, politics got involved yeah. with him. Big time. Big time. Here's, here's uh, we're talking about matches that hurt our feelings and broke our heart. Here's one for you. Number 142, Jamie Noble versus Rey Mysterio. Cruiserweight title, Royal Rumble 2004. They went like a fucking minute and a half. They did not get enough time. Give these men a long time to wrestle. Jamie yeah. Noble. This match can still happen now. Oh, absolutely. It would still be great. It would still be great. Jamie, I was just going to say, Jamie Noble, when did he come back? Like 2016, 17? He was awesome. Yep. He was yep. awesome then. Yeah, Jay, I, I'm sure he could still go. Match number 141, Brock Lesnar versus Hardcore Holly, WWE title, Royal Rumble 2004. Is this the culmination? This is the culmination yes. of the broken neck angle. Sure is, Yeah. Yeah, there's a gross powerbomb, too. And you know what? I, I'm not in the ring. I'm not a wrestler. But I have always heard and read that that was Hardcore Holly's quote-unquote fault. Like, he was trying to, like, sandbag, quote-unquote, Brock Lesnar, trying to not go up for the powerbomb to, like, kind of make him look like shit. And Brock Lesnar is just so fucking strong and crazy that he just shoot powerbombed Hardcore Holly. Yeah. I'm not shocked about that. But, yeah, I remember this <laughs> match. And I remember that people were thinking, like, what the hell is the, the point of this match? Blah, blah, blah. But, uh, yeah, yeah, I definitely remember that too. But this was the start of the maybe not the start of, but an example of them kind of doing a lesser uh, ranked, a lesser like quality opponent for the world championship. Yeah. at the Royal Rumble because you know the champion is going to win anyway. Well, that's 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 the thing, right? And I think that so now that you brought this up, how do you feel? What do you think should? How do you think they should book the championship matches at the Royal Rumble? I think they should probably only do one if they could. And I'm, I'm okay with doing a Hardcore Holly. I'm okay with that. If there's a feud that warrants a big championship match, do it. But if not, you can give an up-and-comer that shot. Or you can give somebody that shot that you don't want to win the Royal Rumble, you know, but you want to have a good match. Like, whatever. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You see, just thinking about this more, like, I know 99, there was a change. There were a couple changes. But I feel like Royal Rumble, it's very rare. 91, 99... It's very rare that you get a change at Royal Rumble. That's a good point. Yeah, I'm trying to think of, yeah. Yeah, it is, it is pretty rare. Yeah. Anyways. They, they generally have their plans pretty well settled. All right. So, yeah, that was that was Brock Lesnar versus Hardcore Holly. I do want to say that Young Brock was a fucking joy to watch. Just a tank. Also, Young Brock looked fucking young. Oh, yeah. You're just a little, little babyface Brock. All right. Uh, not not literally, but yeah, actually sometimes literally. <laughs> no, he was babyface. Yeah, 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 yeah. He was babyface. Yeah. Uh, cracking one for this one. Match number one hundred and forty: Psycho Sid versus the Heartbreak Kid, Shawn Michaels, WWF title, Royal Rumble, nineteen ninety seven. Jose Lothario's revenge. Uh, yeah, this was uh something. It, Shawn Michaels had uh, had the flu. Apparently, this was his flu game. He did not perform like Michael Jordan. 
<laughs> it was a pretty, pretty bad wrestling match. Psycho Sid actually has had some good ones, but he's also had some fucking stinkers. If this was not Psycho Sid, someone who Shawn Michaels didn't hate, mm. you know this match would have been a lot worse. Yeah, actually, yeah. That could have been, yeah, this match could have been way worse. Yeah, it, it, but it could have been... Could have been much better, too, if it was a competent human being. And not like, oh, sit in the ring. Anyway, yeah. yeah. Uh, it, 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 worth watching this one once just because of the spectacle of Shawn Michaels in his hometown winning the world title. But, uh, yeah, nah, it was no great And shakes. then three weeks later, getting rid of the title because he cried. No, oh, lost his smile. Could you believe it? Where did his smile go, Boris? Poor guy. Has he found it yet? Did Jesus help him find it? I don't know. I actually did love Shawn Michaels in those days, though. I loved Shawn Michaels. Oh, I was. A... I didn't hate him. No. Um, a couple weeks, maybe a week after this, they filmed the first two-hour edition of Monday Night Raw oh. here in Toronto at the Sky Dome, Rogers Center. I still call it the Sky Dome. Um, yeah. And it was interesting because it was a special Raw Thursday, and it was just such a bad show. But, because it was like a three and a half hour show, you didn't know that it was a raw taping, number one. <laughs> oh, wow. You found out that night that it was a raw <laughs> taping. Um, and I remember, like, they did the contract signing of, of Tiger Ali Singh. Yeah. They did, um, the main event was a triple match with Vader, Bret Hart, and Shawn Michaels. Oh, really? That sounds actually awesome. And that was the dark match. Yeah. Because I forget what the TV match was. It was Sean and someone. Um, but yeah, it was just such a weird show. I definitely and, remember Thursday Raw Thursday. Yeah, that was here in Toronto. <laughs> wow, weird. I don't remember that it was in Toronto, but I do remember that match. Okay, so speaking of memorable matches, this is a match that people fucking hated at the time. And going back and watching it, I thought I was going to have it rated worse. But it was a fine effort. Good, strong effort. Not a good match. But, you know, God bless them, they tried. Match number 139, Triple H versus Scott Steiner for the World Heavyweight title, Royal Rumble 2003. This match wasn't the worst. It wasn't that bad. Scott Steiner, was he was not looking good. He fell down a couple times. He did, like, 11 too many suplexes. But uh, Triple H bled like a fucking stuck pig. He They both worked really hard. It went too long. It was bad. But you can't deny that they put a strong effort in to, to make a watchable presentation. Yeah. Yep. That Scott Steiner run, man, he should have gotten the belt. I agree, especially he came in so hot. Like he was, he was a crowd favorite when he came. Oh, in. oh yeah. They went absolutely botch. It was Survivor Series '02 in Madison yep. Square Garden. Oh man, they went botch when he showed up. Match number one hundred and thirty-eight: a uh, a terrible monster movie brought to life. Braun Strowman versus Brock Lesnar versus Kane, Royal Rumble eighteen for the Universal Title. I remember this match. So it was it was weird. It was very, very sloppy, but they, they were throwing each other through tables. Braun Strowman was, you know, being Braun Strowman. Brock Lesnar, this is this is a maybe two or three on his case of the Hall of Fame. Because if you put almost any other wrestler in this match, like this could be a disaster. Could you imagine if this is Braun Strowman versus Kane versus Big Show, for example? How oh. bad? How bad? But uh, yeah, this match was was shockingly good, perhaps. But you know, it was it was a fucking mess. Yep, 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 yep. All right, one thirty-seven. AJ Styles versus Daniel Bryan, WWE title, Royal Rumble, two thousand nineteen. Highly disappointing match. 
perhaps my own expectations. But you go back and watch this match. They don't really do fucking much of anything. Tons of stalling. Terrible nothing finish. Very, very disappointing match. I remember this match really well. And like, well, you know, sometimes I talk like I haven't watched these matches in forever, even though I did rewatch most of these shows. Um, And I remember live not liking this match. My rewatch about 10 days ago, I didn't. I liked it even less. Oh, yeah. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. So I was very, uh, I was very disappointed and uh, watching it back again, no great shakes. AJ Styles versus Daniel Bryan, they're, they're, they're okay no matter what they do, but this, this was the worst possible scenario for that match. Match number 136, we're getting into a little chunk here. So 136, 2015 Royal Rumble match from Wells Fargo Center, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. It's the famous one. We all remember it. But, uh, yeah, so, I mean, what, what? not much more needs to be said about this. The Philly crowd absolutely fucking turns on this thing. Rewatching this with you, it was the funniest thing because ever since the infamous Daniel Bryan incident happened, yes. only one person was over. Who's that? Ms. Dow. <laughs> That's true. Oh, my God. Yeah, he was the only person, yeah, on the on the entire show. Which is brilliant, considering what we were just talking about earlier about Ms. Dow yeah. and this show. Yes. And that's, they did not embrace him. Just but he was literally the only person that they cheered for. The Rock was barely cheered for. Yes. So, again, so, again, this is the 2015 Royal Rumble where Roman Reigns wins the Royal Rumble. The Rock comes out to endorse him. The crowd even boos the fucking Rock because they are not feeling Roman Reigns as the new hero of WWE. They wanted Daniel Bryan. And on top of this, the people that Roman Reigns eliminates to win this, like, I've never seen so many cheers for Kane. Yeah, and corporate exactly. Kane. Corporate Kane. He uh, the final two was uh, was uh, Roman and Rusev, wasn't not? Yeah, yeah, and yeah again, Rusev, humongous babyface reaction. This is the famous Royal Rumble where at one point you had Cody Rhodes, Rusev, and basically half of the AEW <laughs> roster in the ring at Luke once. Luke Harper, God bless his soul, I think was in there as well. Yep, he was. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and okay, so that was 136, match number 135, 2014 Royal Rumble, the Bootista Rumble. Um, the start of this whole this whole crowd turning on things fucking in WWE that has literally broken Vince McMahon's brain to this day. <laughs> it really has. <laughs> uh, match number 134, 2016 Royal Rumble, the Triple H Royal Rumble. One thing I forgot, I, I actually, for, I couldn't believe my eyes when I saw it. The final two of this Royal Rumble, Triple H, and your fucking former AEW world champion, John Moxley, Dean Ambrose. I could have sworn it was Triple H versus Roman in the final two. No, no, it was... It was H versus Ambrose. Little trivia note for you there, Boris. But Here's yeah. the thing. People love to shit on <laughs> WWE, rightfully so. Because of John Moxley, Dean Ambrose. Yeah. But he was given many, many opportunities. Well, yeah. He was never he was never given like, yeah. He was he was he was presented a lot. He was given a lot. He yeah. got a title run. But they kind of capped him, right? Yeah, big time. Big time. That's the thing. He doesn't have a he doesn't have the ceiling in AEW. He did yeah. have a ceiling, although he still got it was pretty fucking high ceiling. He was still ceiling. 
So yeah. So you, yeah. Go, no, anyways, no. Yeah. Okay. I'm not. So, I'm not touching that okay. one. Right one thirty six, one thirty five, one thirty four. I ranked them 2015, 2014, 2016. Basically, I will accept it if you tell me this was the same match three years in a row. Well, it basically was. It was crowds angry that Diamond Bryan was gone. Yeah. Except for sixteen because he was gone by then. Yeah. But people are angry. Someone who shouldn't win win, and Fuck this shenanigans shit. ensue. Yeah. Uh, speaking of shenanigans ensuing, this is our final match in the uh, slight fail but good effort to a uh, two elimination out of five category. 133, the 1993 Royal Rumble match. Yokozuna defeats Macho Man Randy Savage. I cried twice during this match watching it as a six-year-old. Once because Giant Gonzalez legitimately terrified me to the point of tears, and once because my hero, Macho Man Savage, was so stupid that he went for a pin in the Royal Rumble, and it broke my heart. You're better than that, Macho Man. You're better than that. He really wasn't. (laughs) How dare you? I'll fucking drop an elbow on you right now. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, no, good effort. Bad Royal Rumble, and Gorilla Monsoon calls Carlos Colon a youngster. Yes, yes. I think he was 45. Yeah. What I love about this Rumble was, this Rumble was so weird, because this was like the beginning of the change of WWF, right? Yeah. Because Brett was champ, he faced Razor Ramon for the belt. Yes, he did. More on that later. Yeah. Um, We got Yokozuna, the Japanese wrestlers. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Quick, quick little aside. Did you watch the Yoko documentary? I have not. You have yet. to. It's actually really good. I, I was stunned by it. And my, my cousin watched it too because we were watching the Royal Rumble together. He's, he's a very casual fan. But he stayed with, he stuck with it too because he was so impressed. Yeah. Yeah, my brother was messaging me and he was smashed. <laughs> nice. so, and he's like, bro, I'm crying right now. <laughs> it, was, it was beautiful. It was really well done. Um. So yeah, yeah. Uh, 1993, a changing of the guard in WWE. No, it really was. Interesting time. Until Hogan won the belt. Uh, yes. <laughs> Very good. Um, so, these matches, now we are in a new tier. These are two and a half star, two and a half elimination out of five. They are average wrestling matches, 50%. Match number 132, 1996 Royal Rumble match. Definition of an average Royal Rumble match. Has some cool moments. Nothing really, like, important. I really liked Vader uh, destroying the Headhunters. The big fat Puerto Rican twins. Yep. Uh, it was cool to debut them uh, just to be cannon fodder to this big guy. I thought that was interesting. I've never really seen anything like that in wrestling before. Yep. Jobs is number two seven six five four. <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, but yeah, not not a ton to this. Number one thirty one, nineteen ninety nine Royal Rumble match. I kind of like the storyline throughout this with Vince McMahon and Austin. I loved this rumble. It's not that bad. This is, well, the actual in-ring is pretty bad a lot of the time. Like, Edge is the best performer, and he's thrown out by, like, number 11 or 12. There's, like, Blue Meanie not wearing a belt, Arse hanging out, hiking up his pants. This is a fucking dire roster in a lot of ways. Now, here's the thing about this rumble. You had Vince and um, Austin's story, and then you had the side story of China. Mm-hmm. Yeah, China had won the corporate Rumble and thus was coming in at number 30, the first ever woman to enter a Royal Rumble. That was pretty fun. So, yeah, it was was kind of, I'm not sure if it was like a bad match made better by like the the consistent storytelling throughout or if I'm just biased because I really love this period of wrestling, but no, I, no, 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 this, this wasn't the worst. This yeah, wasn't the worst. I, I thought, I thought the, the, the storytelling and the shenanigans averaged it out to be an average WWE match. It's pretty I much realized 
the number of rumbles that you have not said yet, and I'm shocked. Yeah, there's uh, hey, I'm uh, I think they're uh. They're works of art in a lot of ways. Boris, a lot of things are coming together, and when they're good, they're great. Anyway, moving on. Match 130, Dustin Rhodes and Dusty Rhodes versus Ted DiBiase and Virgil from the Royal Rumble 1991. I love this match. I wish it was better. I so very wish it was better, but if you watch it back, it's every WWF 1990s tag team match that you've ever seen in your life. And I think this was the Rhodes's, Rhodes Eye. The Rhodes last match. I believe it was. I believe it was their single last match in the company. Uh, certain, well, not, not Dustin's forever, but actually Dusty would actually have wrestling matches in WWE again too. Uh, match number 129, Molly Holly versus Victoria. Royal Rumble 2004. God damn it. I love Victoria. Was so glad to see her in this year's Rumble. Took all the Victoria to my veins. She you is and a, Dan LeBrance. She's a fucking fantastic wrestler. Uh, you know, what, what can I say? Beautiful woman. How, how could you? What, what is there to hate? Sweet goth gimmick. Forrest, right she up my had alley. had tattoo theme for a while. Yeah, all the things I said. Fucking running through my head. <laughs> Incredible it was. But yeah, so I wish this was longer and on the main show. But you know, it was, it was at least average WWE match level. Speaking of average WWE matches for the time period. Match number 128. Badass Billy Gunn versus Evil Ken Shamrock for the Intercontinental title, Royal Rumble 1999. Too long, lots of shenanigans. Billy Gunn's selling his ankle. He takes his boot off. He's he's wearing one shoe, his white sock, Billy Gunn. This was this was 1999 in a nutshell, but I, I did actually kind of like this match. Yep. It reminded me of everything I'd ever seen out of the Attitude Era, though. I love Ken Shamrock as the psychopath. Like his run between, I guess. Late 1998, because um, I distinctly remember at Breakdown in Hamilton, his triple threat match, Mankind, Ken Shamrock, and The Rock. And the, the Rock, big, in my opinion, yeah. got over. Oh, absolutely. In the big blue steel cage. I yep. love that the match. The last time yeah. they used the big I blue. I think so. Um, I remember that around that, that summer, Ken Shamrock, when he started this psycho yeah. gimmick. I loved it. And then leading into 1999 and this match... It was really good. Absolutely. Unfortunately, he lasted until September of that year yeah, right? when he faced yeah. Jericho. And that was it. Yeah, he went back to fighting and, and yeah. that whole shenanigan, that whole thing. And, uh, of course, NWA TNA. Yeah, and now we have uh, um, Ted Bundy, or not Ted Bundy, um, Al Bundy Shamrock yeah. Impact. Uh, big. Uh, yes, that was a terrible Al Bundy impression. But you know you gotta you gotta you gotta put it out there, Boris. You gotta cast the line sometimes. I am so glad the mic barely picked that up. <laughs> yes, I as well. Moving on forever. Uh, match number one hundred and twenty-seven. Antonio Cesaro. I love the fact that you put Antonio. <laughs> well, Cesaro. you gotta be official. Versus the Miz. United States title. Royal Rumble two thousand thirteen pre-show. Much like the pack of matches we mentioned earlier. Antonio Cesaro drags Miz kicking and screaming to an average wrestling match. Yeah. That's basically the story here. Match number 126, the Legion of Doom, Hawk and Animal, versus the New Age Outlaws, Badass Billy Gunn and the Road Dog, Jesse James, Royal Rumble 1998. A pretty weak match in the ring, made better by the great storytelling. Yeah, the culmination of this was at WrestleMania, because that shortly after, the, this is 98, right? Yes. Shortly after this, they did the breakup, and then they came uh, back. yeah. Brutal. Yeah. yeah, the new yeah the Legion of Doom breakup terrible disgusting television in a lot of ways. Well, they we came know. back with Sunny, so actually that was good. Not 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 a whole lot disgusting about Sunny in two thousand. Moving on. <laughs> All right. <laughs> okay. Uh, match number one hundred and twenty-five. 
The Bar, Cesaro and Sheamus, versus Miz and Shane McMahon for the SmackDown Tag Team Titles, Royal Rumble 2019. This was this was Shane McMahon getting sad. If this match would have happened in, like, even 2009, but 1999 especially, it would have been all right. It would have been, I heard you yawning for the Miz over there. Uh, Shane McMahon hits his, he hits his uh, shooting star press. He almost hits a, a, a Van Terminator, but gets uh, cut off. But uh, we've seen these things so many times, and he's not executing these things the way he used to. Is this the match where Shane basically got his ass kicked throughout the match? And then came back and yeah. came Cesaro? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah it is. That's the yeah. one. So, yeah. pretty much average WWE into a, in 2019. Hmm. <laughs> All right. Match number 124, a match that I wished was a little better, but you know what? Good effort on a pre-show, 2018 pre-show. Lucha House Party, Grand Metal League, Kalisto, and Lince Dorado versus Drew Gulak, TJP, awful human being, and Jack Gallagher, awful human being. Uh, yeah, so the less said about Jack and TJP, the better, but I really like the other four guys, and they, they, uh, they had a pre-show match is what they did. Good for them. Let's move on. All right. Match number 123, the Dudley boys, Bubba Ray and Devon Dudley versus Spike Dudley and his tag team partner, Taz. Nothing, nothing, Boris. I'll tell you one thing. Me and Spike Dudley, we're going to get the titles. And Tony Khan, you listen here. You put me on dynamite, brother. Sorry, that's my Taz impression. (laughs) Why don't they sell my merch? Why am I being a little bitch? I got one thing for you, and that's Brian Cage. All right. Uh, <laughs> I think my Taz is getting better. It's definitely better than any other impression I'm doing tonight. So Your Taz also sounds a little bit like uh, Pat Patterson. <laughs> oh, that's funny. That's the French immersion seeping out of me. That'll just happen every anytime I talk, you know, school and such. But yeah, so uh, Spike Dudley and Taz uh, and Bubba Ray and Devon Dudley have 17% of an ECW match. Yep. All right, moving on. Match number 122, Edge and Christian versus the Dudley Boys, Bubba Ray and Devon Dudley. Royal Rumble 2001 WWF Tag Team Titles. This match would have been much better, but it's centered around another concussion storyline. It's just too much with these concussion storylines. This match did not age well at all, and they're, like, celebrating brain damage openly. It's just, yeah, it's a trip to watch this back. I actually would recommend watching it back. It could have been much better. But, you know, pretty much average WWF in 20, uh, 2001 celebrating and, uh, you know, uh, profiting off of concussions. Well, yeah, because WWE between, like, besides the concussion stuff, just in general, the product from about 2000 until 2003, 2004, 2003, I want to say, when John Cena debuted, it was yeah. dire straits. Oh, yeah. Yeah, some, yeah the, the Wild West in a lot of ways, yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, at least, at least an average match. Match number 121, also from a pre-show, Royal Rumble 2020, Andrade versus Humberto Carrillo, United States title match. You know, kudos to them, they had a couple little good matches on, I think they had some better, uh, performances on Raw around this time period. Yep. And, uh, I really, really miss Selena Vega and Andrade. I think they were an incredible act. They added to the show every time they were on it. Zelina Vega is obviously never coming back, but what the heck, what the heck, excuse me, what the heck, what the heckle Fritz happened to young Andrade, Boris? Where the fuck is he? I forgot both of these guys exist. <laughs> Humberto is like fine. He's good. He's not bad, whatever. But Andrade's like, he's like world champion level in my opinion. He's fucking great. He is El Sombra. Yeah. The man. shadow. Fucking right. Like, 
Where Guys. Is, where is this man? And also, is he not still... Is, oh, yeah. He's on Charlotte's no, shadow now. Well, that's what I'm saying. Is he not still married to Charlotte? Is he, like, staying home with the kids? Is Andrade pregnant? What's going on? <laughs> <laughs> I don't get it. Put him in a program with Lacey. <laughs> All right, but yeah, this was uh, this was an average WWE match that you uh, probably don't have to go back and watch. Match number 120. Uh, a good match made average by the finish. WWE Champion Edge versus John Cena, Royal Rumble 2006. Edge loses his title despite being a ratings draw, despite being fucking amazing in the ring and on the microphone. Disappointing to my Toronto heart. Fuck this match. Good match that was made average by WWE's booking. Boris, do you remember this at all? Oh, I remember this very well. I remember their entire feud of 2006 very well because in the summer of that year, in SummerSlam in August, in Boston, Edge wins the WWE yes. title. Yeah, I do remember that. Yeah. You know, because fuck the hometown boy. Yeah. And, and then, then the next month in a TLC match in Toronto, Toronto, John Cena beats Edge. Honestly, I see clearly. Yeah, it's pretty rough. I remember that. But you know what? Although you saw it coming a mile away after after uh, August when they booked that match in Toronto, that fucking TLC match is so goddamn good. It's so good. It was worth it. I I, I, I after I didn't I knew the whole time John Cena was gonna win. I didn't want to see him win. I was so angry that he was winning. But then after the match, I was like, "You won me over. You got yeah, me." The point is, this match here, the beginning of the year, was really setting up yeah. like the that trifecta of great matches that the two had. I think that story is told much better if Edge keeps the title here and holds it throughout the year. By the way, but that's just me. Yeah, I guess I guess he needs to lose it at some point to take it back from John in Boston, but it, not yet, not yet. Anyway, yeah. neither here nor there. Uh, match number one hundred and nineteen: CM Punk versus Dolph Ziggler. Special referee John Laurinaitis. Absolute. Typical WWE bullshit. This was for the WWE title as well. Worth noting. Um, do you have any recollection of the CM Punk John Laurinaitis feud other than I like? Sadly, really do. Punk calling him Funkhauser and doing that voice like this. Like, I'm yeah, not, I, I really do remember this. My Taz impression is stronger. Yeah, <laughs> uh, man. John Laurinaitis. What did you think of him as a performer? Uh, I didn't really care for him too much. Yeah. I thought he was actually a little underrated. I thought he was actually kind of good on the microphone, but like they oh, they overpushed him to such a ridiculous degree when he was around. That it's not it just, that they over. Uh, yeah, I guess that is overpushing what I was gonna say. Yeah, they overpushed him. They the amount of times that he got wins, the amount yeah. of times that he got one. This is when that stupid dumb dumb face really mm. was profound because he would always get one over. Yeah. On the guys. Uh, a thousand so, percent. Yeah. <laughs> I do I do a thousand percent agree with you, yeah. Always, all the time. And it was just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. like of all people, like a guy who was a jobber in WCW who's never been a WWF character, he just gets one over because he's affiliated with the McMahons peripherally. It's just fucking, it was very disappointing. Very disappointing time for wrestling. Match number 118. Speaking of disappointing, inside of my heart, Chavo Guerrero Jr. versus Eddie Guerrero. Again, a match I had ex- astronomical expectations for, and it didn't quite deliver to that level, but what a testament to these guys that the worst possible match they could ever have is a high-end average pro wrestling match. What year was this? 2004. Sorry? 2004. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah. That sounds about right. No, yeah. Well, it, I, I made the list, so I guarantee you it was. Boris, no, I'm just kidding. But, uh, yes, yeah, I think that was, that was uh, in my estimation, that's a fair assessment. I think, like, these guys, if they wrestled, I, I'm sure they did wrestle a thousand times. I bet you 999 were above average. Yeah. Uh, match number 117, we're entering another little Royal Rumble pack here. The 1998 Royal Rumble match. 
I liked the storyline in this one, again, a lot. Not the strongest roster, but the storyline was all V1. There was a bounty on Stone Cold Steve Austin's head. He was the biggest star in this company. Was anyone going to be able to stop him? The answer, fuck no. He was Stone Cold Steve Austin in the late goddamn 90s. I actually kind of like this match. Also, Mankind, Cactus Jack, and Dude Love all appear. I was literally going to say that. This is also the infamous Steve Austin pointing to his wrist, right? That was actually heel Austin in 97. That was 97. Yeah. This was... was, Yeah. Yeah, sorry. Uh, Yeah, no, this was... Yeah, this was just Austin being a badass. And yeah, it also starts with Terry Funk and Cactus Jack absolutely fucking braining each other with chairs. Yeah, I remember. I remember that. Disgusting. Match number 116, the 2003 Royal Rumble match. Brock Lesnar reigns fucking supreme. Uh... Good little match. There's a weird spot where The Undertaker's about to accidentally fly over the top rope and Brock saves him because that's going to be the final two in the Royal Rumble. That, yeah. That's actually kind of fun. But uh, yeah, uh, average Royal Rumble match, high end on the on the match scale in my opinion because the work that goes into a Royal Rumble match is just so astronomical and there's oh, yeah. so many moving pieces. I, I find them really impressive and enjoyable. Uh, match number 115, the 2012 Royal Rumble, won by... Sheamus, of course you don't remember. How could you fucking possibly remember that? Sheamus wins the 2012 Royal Rumble and I believe kicks Daniel Bryan's face off in 18 seconds at that year. That's when that happened. See, I didn't watch this Rumble. Uh, it's a good little Rumble. I, I I might be off base on this, but I did just watch these all in succession. I'm pretty fucking sure this is the one where Chris Jericho randomly shows up and goes 55 minutes. Hmm. Sounds about right. Yeah. Yeah, and then I think I think he's I think he's number two, and he lost all the way to the end, but does not beat Sheamus. That's match number one fifteen, and that is the end of our tier. That is the end of the average match tier. So from this point forward, Boris, every match that I talk about is at least slightly above average. So this upcoming tier is, uh, they are three out of five elimination matches for a sixty percent elimination percentage, slightly above average. Sounds good. Very good. Match number 114, Montel Vontavious Porter, MVP, versus the nature boy, Ric Flair. Woo. If Ric Flair loses, he must retire. Royal Rumble 2008. So, the storyline, the commentary, the post-match promo where Ric Flair tearfully greets the Madison Square Garden crowd and announces this will be his last match in all likelihood. Really beautiful. Pushes this... Above average. It was an average match in the ring, but you know what? The presentation made it made it above average. And it's MSG. It's MSG. Seven stars in the Tokyo Dome. <laughs> Three in MSG. Eliminations. Eliminations. Sorry. Uh, match number 113. Greg the Hammer Valentine versus Rugged Ronnie Garvin. Submission match. Royal Rumble 1990. Now, I wanted to rank it higher. But they're both complete idiots in this yep. match. Yep. They just go for pins too often. So many times. It just distracts from an awesome little hard-hitting match. Yep. Because if you want to tell the story, like, they're not used to this to this format and they have to they have to adapt, that's good. And if they want to go for each a pin or even two, that's fine. But to be going for pins, like, ten minutes into this thing, it just completely ruined the match. It's just the only conclusion you could possibly draw is, oh, my God, they're idiots. Good hard-hitting match. But you know what else was a good hard-hitting match? Slightly underrated by the wrestling community at the time, perhaps right now. Match number 112, Haku versus Harley Race, Royal Rumble 1989. Battle for the crown. The winner declared king of pro wrestling. This was Haku versus Harley Race, Boris. Just beat the fucking shit out of each other. I know. 
It was great. Isn't it crazy? <laughs> it was what what a, what a matchup on paper. But yeah, it was it definitely like definitely one for the WWE 2K11 universe mode, just like crazy generated match. But it was it was pretty good. I, I quite but, liked it a lot. Unfortunately, the average fan doesn't realize just how badass and tough Haku is, or Harley Race for that matter, right? Absolutely, these are two of the toughest men in the history of professional wrestling, like legit. Hey, these are two people I do not want to piss off. No, like if I had the Cody incident happen to one from one of these guys, I'll be like, "Yeah, fuck me." <laughs> I deserve it, even though I said nothing, Cody. Cold-hearted man. <laughs> anyway, so match number 111 from the Royal Rumble 1999, Gangrel versus X-Pac. This was the only match that I can remember where a referee got a you-fucked-up chant. Dear sweet Teddy Long. He uh, kind of screwed up a little uh, spot in here where I, I think, I believe it's Gangrel uh, gets fake pinned but doesn't actually. Anyway, this this was a really good match that Teddy Long uh, kind of ruined by being bad. But, uh, yeah, Gangrel versus X-Pac, two good wrestlers in uh, in uh, WWF 1999, and there weren't very many. Yeah. <laughs> that was the era of the blue meanie. Yep. Blue fucking meanie. <laughs> match number 110. Uh, very fun match that did not get nearly enough time. Brian Kendrick versus Finlay. He loves to fight Finley. This is from the Royal Rumble 2006 Sunday Night Heat. This was right after they had signed Finley. He's very, very new. It was possibly January 2006 that he came into the company. Yeah, it was I, I like it was around like the end of 05, start of 06. So yeah, this was exactly what it needed to be. Straightforward squash shows off the wrestler, shows off his talents. Brian Kendrick got a little bit, but not too much. Wanted to see more. Could have gone with 15 more minutes of this match. Yeah, Finley is so underrated. I oh. think. Oh, incredible wrestler. But he made a good name for himself on SmackDown when he was Absolutely. this character. The, yeah. My name is Finley and I love to fight. Had, you a, know, couple, like, had a couple of world title matches, some big yeah. programs. I, I definitely agree. Yeah, he, he, did make a, he did make a good name for himself. You know, a good, a good but, account of himself. But underrated. Massively. Massively underrated. Uh, number 109, the Beverly Brothers, Bo and Blake, versus the Steiner Brothers, Rick and Scott Steiner, Royal Rumble 1993. Uh, this is another one where all four guys are good wrestlers, obviously Scott and Rick, miles above Bo and Blake, in my opinion. But uh, yeah, they, if they had other matches, they might have been better. This was Scott and Rick's first match in WWF. It was yep. a showcase, but it went a little too long. They didn't quite show enough. Also, uh, in the live version, I, I should also add, I should have added this before, but I've been watching the live versions of these wherever possible just to see all the botches and such. There was a big uh, commentary mishap on this. Like There was sound cut out of probably a good five to ten minutes of this match at the start. A rare uh, a rare technical difficulty from WWE. What, did uh, pay-per-view not pay Vince enough? Yeah, maybe. Uh, who, who knows what it was? <laughs> uh, highly possible. But yeah, this, the Steiner brothers throw the Beverly brothers around. A bit of good fun. Match number 108. Hold on. May I add? Yes. Much better and less scarier than their match with the Head Shakers oh at WrestleMania. God. Yeah, with the crazy, like, power slam out of a doomsday device spot. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. The Steiner brothers had a couple terrifying matches in their yeah. career. Just terrifying. Um, yes. So, match number 108 from the Royal Rumble 1994. Bam Bam Bigelow versus one of my favorites, Tatanka. Buffalo. <laughs> Um, yeah, so it went a little too long, but you know what? Tatanka was an underrated wrestler. They worked really hard in this match. Ted DiBiase on commentary for some reason, but he did a pretty good job. He was all right. I think he was better than Mr. Perfect in small doses. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong about that. Mr. Perfect got grading. Ted DiBiase was kind of just there. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, I know exactly yeah. what you mean. 
Anyway, good match between these guys. Hats off to Banner and to Tatanka. <laughs> Excuse me. Match number 107. A six-woman tag from the Royal Rumble 2007 pre-show, the Alamo Dome in San Antonio. Alexa Bliss, Mickey James, and Natalia versus Becky Lynch, Naomi, and Nikki Bella. Good little fun little tag. Uh, one thing I want to uh, add about the Royal Rumble 2017, you think that they've had some crowded announce booths in, in WWE? This was the announce booth at the time. Mauro Ronaldo, David Otunga, JBL, and Tom Phillips. Wow. All together. JBL and Moro? Yeah, JBL and Moro and Tom Phillips and Otunga. They had two play-by-play guys and two color guys in one match. Wow, one that's booth. crazy. Just absolutely ridiculous. But a, a, a good little match. Uh, they worked hard. Pre-show tag, but, you know, it was good. Uh, Above-average wrestling match. Number 106, The Bar, Cesaro and Sheamus versus The O.C., Carl Anderson and Luke Gallows. Royal Rumble 2017 pre-show. They actually might not have been The O.C. at this time, but I just wanted to wanted to squeeze that in. One of the dumbest names in wrestling history, calling them The O.C. I mean, again, Carl Anderson and Luke Gallows, as much as I just buried Luke Gallows, they're pretty, pretty workmanlike, good hands, you'd yeah. say, in the ring. Yep. Cesaro and Sheamus are great wrestlers. Cesaro better, but Sheamus is a great wrestler, too. I don't give a fuck what anybody says. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. So, how could you go wrong, Lars? No. Oh. Luke Gallows was in it. Yeah, that's how you could go wrong. That is definitely how you could go wrong, but it was still pretty good. All right, match number 105, Gold Dust versus Hunter Hearst Helmsley for the Intercontinental title, Royal Rumble 1997, also in the Alamo Dome, San Antonio, Texas. Alamo Dome has gotten some fucking doozies. Yeah, gotten some, some stinkers. <laughs> I, this, one, this one wasn't a stinker, you know what? A young Triple H with his flow and locks. I liked him as a wrestler. Goldust was Goldust was very popular in 1997. Hugely popular character. You know, you got to think back to Hunter's history. You know, even his program with Duke the Dumpster Drozzy and Phineas Godwin. Yeah. Like, he's had some pretty long, memorable Absolutely. feuds. I, I liked the hog pen match between him and Henry Godwin at, uh, at an wow. in your house. I actually liked that match. I used to I used to love it so much that I used to do hog pen matches with my wrestling buddy when I was a kid and I'd throw him into the bathtub to win the hog pen match. The, the bathtub was the hog pen, you see. I'm just staring at you <laughs> all right now. I've lost a little bit of respect for you for liking that match, but more because you reenacted it. I was an only child until I was seven, and then I had a little sister. But there was a lot, a lot of uh, entertaining myself for those first seven years. Anyway, yeah, this was a Marlena-centric match. I quite enjoyed it. Uh, match number 104, the best match of IRS's career, perhaps, versus Razor Ramon for the Intercontinental title, Royal Rumble 1994. Scott Hall was an awesome wrestler, and again, like we've said this before, but this is a carry job. He dragged IRS to a good match here. Just, just yeah, just, with not much more to say than that. Razor Ramon in the 90s was a treat. I think Scott Hall deserved more than he got in his career, and uh, matches like this are why. Here's the thing about IRS. How can you fight in a, like, full-blown... Like dress pants, <laughs> suspenders, tie, and all. Yeah, that yeah, that must have been annoying. Like, well, it was definitely like I think it's jobber gear, kind of put him at a level. But I guess mankind wrestled in a dress shirt. He was jammed. Dude, <laughs> it was questionable. Yeah, a it was questionable, and b there's a pretty fucking wide gap between mankind and IRS. No offense, Mike Rotunda. Anyway, uh, Mac- I, was gonna, I was gonna go. No offense. McFoley, <laughs> yeah, even comparing them, yeah. <laughs> oh, 
<laughs> Moving on. Match number 103, Edge versus William Regal, Intercontinental title, Royal Rumble 2002. Impossible for them to have a bad match. I think if they had a couple more, it would have been a little better. For some reason, these guys didn't quite click. Their styles yeah. never quite clicked. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And I'm glad that this match happened because, like, I remember, like, around this time, it was kind of Edge was um, testing the waters of single yeah. wrestling, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it was kind of um, just breaking out. Yeah, and that's when Regal was actually, like, they gave him, was it for the IC or the European? IC. I see. Interesting. Yeah, and I, 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 I'm sorry, I've watched a thousand matches, but I'm 99% sure Regal, Regal wins the title here. Yeah, With, and he loses it to RVD at WrestleMania. The power of the punch, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yeah, because that's when he did the, the brass knuckle yeah. gimmick. Yeah, yeah, he cuts. Uh, yeah, he actually cuts a really good promo at the end. I remember at the end of this match, walking up the ramp, talking about how he was blessed with the power of the punch, and I believe that's where that was coined that term. Yeah. So there you go. Jogged my memory there, Boris. Thank you. All right. So match number one oh two. Dino Bravo and the fabulous Rougeau brothers, Jacques and Raymond, versus Hacksaw Jim Duggan and the Hart Foundation, Brett and the Anvil. Two out of three falls, six-man tag. Royal so Rumble 1980. This entire match, there was one non-Canadian. And there were USA chants throughout. When there was when the non-Canadian was on the apron. Do you remember <laughs> WrestleMania 9? Yokozuna versus Bret Hart yes, I in do. the middle of the match. USA. USA. Oh, amazing. Uh, yeah. The, uh, the, the Polynesian playing a Japanese man versus the Canadian hero. Absolutely hilarious. But yeah, this was a fun match, and uh, Gorilla Monsoon and Jesse Ventura, unfuck-withable commentary. Man, that tandem, there will not be a better tandem. They just complimented each other so much. You could tell, you know what they had? They had the Tony Kornheiser and Mike Wilbon chemistry. I hope that we could achieve that one day, Boris. I think we're almost there. (laughs) Where you could tell they're friends, but they're not scared to fucking let each other have it. You know what I mean? Fuck you. (laughs) Man, fuck you. Okay, moving on. (laughs) Uh, yeah, so a good, fun 80s tag. Yeah. Worth your time. Uh, match number 101. The New Foundation, Jim the Anvil, oh and the Rocket, Owen Hart, versus the Orient Express, racistly named Kato and Tanaka. <laughs> um, All they needed was, I think, of Japanese as their theme, and it would have been like the perfect. Geez. Not that the WWF stock 90s Japanese theme wasn't plenty racist, but... <laughs> I remember the yeah. song, 100%. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It basically was, I think, of Japanese, but slower. Yeah, true. It might have been. Yeah, and they gave it to literally every Japanese wrestler. Was like, Mr. Fuji their manager? I, yeah, I think he was, yeah. <laughs> Bull Nakano came out to that song. Fucking, oh, like, so Bull many Nikano. people came out to that song. Oh, Bull Nakano is the best. So the good. Absolute best. So good. I wish she got more matches with the Laundry Blaze. Exactly. I wish they gave Bull Nakano the belt for a little bit. I think she would have had it. Uh, maybe she wanted it in Japan, and we never actually saw her... Like, have a pay-per-view match or whatever, but I think she had the WWF. Yeah, because Alondra Blaze, I feel like the women's division at that time would have done so much better if Alondra Blaze was chasing for it. That's a good call. That's a really good call because, yeah, she wasn't really much of a a John Cena, Hulk Hogan, over-the-top personality, you know what I mean? Mind you, she is a truck, or, um... Yeah, a, uh, true. Actually, truck driver. Yeah, actually, in real life, she might be, but yeah, she was. Alundra Blaze was not. Though, yeah, yeah, no. the woman herself might be. Anyway, so yeah, match one hundred and one. Uh, showcase for Owen Hart. This was. He was coming along. Yep. Match number one hundred, Boris. We're getting to it. We're getting inside. Triple digits here, but Chad Gable and Shelton Benjamin versus the Usos. Two out of three falls. 
Royal Rumble 2018. Interesting match here. The first fall goes for fucking ever. They're kicking out of finishers. It's a really, really interesting build, and they, they got the crowd into it despite the fact that the crowd wanted nothing to do with all four of these guys. I remember this match because I kept telling the person I was watching this match with, I think they forgot it's two out of three falls. <laughs> that's actually that's funny, I and mean, maybe they did. But no, I think it was very much part of the match because immediately after the first fall, they do a like kind of slip on the banana peelish kind of thing, and Chad Gable loses the second fall pretty quickly thereafter. So they, they did the majority, the bulk of the match in the first fall. Very entertaining, interesting little match. If it was, if it was like in NXT in front of a crowd that cared, and it was Jason Jordan instead of Shelton Benjamin, it was American Alpha. It probably would have been a great match. But you know a what good match? Idea. I would have loved to see. And I know I'm bringing like these random thoughts. No, do it, please do. That's the, that's the, that's the whole point of this because this is like walking down memory lane yes, and sir. what if situations. Chad Gable and Jason Jordan. Versus Charlie Haas. Oh, hook it to my veins. With Brock Lesnar on a pole match. <laughs> <laughs> I'm for it. I'm for it. We need, yeah, we need a new SmackDown 6 with those guys and uh, Shaw Guerrero and Aiden English. They could yeah. be, they, they be the other tag team. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> All righty, here we are. Match number 99 going back to a couple days ago. Carmella versus Sasha Banks for the SmackDown women's title. Royal Rumble 2021 from the Thunderdome. Tropicana Field. Boris, what did you think about this match having happened a couple days ago? I got to say, Carmella, maybe the most improved wrestler. Improved. 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 Improved yes. wrestler of the past two years. She's really good now. She's pretty. She's pretty great. She's got. I. Uh, I like Reginald. He was surprisingly good in the in the match he had with Sasha Banks. This is a this is a nice little package they got going on, Carmella and Reginald. So yeah, uh, people people didn't like the finish of this match. They thought it came out of nowhere. I thought that kind of helped Sasha Banks certainly because it's putting her over. That's what's happening. She's winning. She's getting put over. So because it's her and Bianca, right? Like right, there's. It better be her and Bianca. Also, yeah. that Carmella like face plant. Oh, the, the, the suicide dive. The tope oh. suicida. Indeed, tore to the floor. Indeed, tore a tope suicida. Yeah, that was that was rough. Yeah, poor Carmella. But yeah, good little match. Sasha Banks is a is becoming a great wrestler. One of the best in the business. I don't give a shit what anybody says. Yeah, she's not perfect. You get in the ring. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. No, Sasha Banks is great. And she takes a mean bump. Uh, awesome Jeff Hardy, Darby Allen level bumps from Sasha wow, Banks. Wow, that's, that's a bold statement. No, I don't, I, tell me I'm wrong. <laughs> yeah, there it is. All right, match number 98. Ravishing Rick Rude versus Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. Royal Rumble 1988, the first match in Royal Rumble history. I love this match. I love this match. And you questioned me. I I'm did. surprised it's so well, high. Well, yeah. Well there, well, there you go. It's still good. It's still above average. But when you told me, like, I, I was mentioning, like, the when we were talking about the Royal Rumble list and you had started the Royal Rumble 88, and you were like, oh, this match is so awesome. And I was like, I just didn't think so awesome. But slightly above average is what I thought. I thought it was a TV match. We often talk watching NXT about the TV match. The first Royal Rumble was a TV special. US8 Network. Yes, yes, sir. It was. Wasn't it the same day as Clash of Champions? No. A bunkhouse stampede. It's all the same. Yeah, yeah, basically. But it was, <laughs> it was WCW NWA's Royal Rumble-ish, like their big battle royal. So WWF put a better version of a battle royal on free TV. How do you think USA Network feels being WWE's bitch for <laughs> counter programming? 
<laughs> I'm sure they were for it. Uh, they got yeah, some. They, they got some ratings. What the yeah, fuck do they care? What do they care? Yeah, but yeah, another another great part of this match: the 1988 commentary team of Vince McMahon and Jesse Ventura. Because Jesse Ventura would give Vince shit. You, he was just giving his boss shit, knowing it. It was funny at the time because Vince McMahon was just like random announcer guy, and Jesse Ventura was macho fucking ex wrestler. But knowing in retrospect that he's giving his boss this level of shit is so funny. In retrospect, it's great knowing the history yes. and kind of the hate. The love-hate relationship love, that hate these two have had. Yeah. You know, you know the whole, let me be an actor, bitch. Yeah. No, fuck you. Yeah. you know? Let like, me unionize, bitch. No, fuck you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 really great. And it's funny. When Here's a question for you. You've been watching wrestling since you were a kid, mm-hmm. like three, four years old. I've been watching wrestling since I was a kid, three, four years old. When did you find out that Vince McMahon was the owner? Because I found out through my brother really young. Like, I knew for oh, the wow. longest time. I think, uh, yeah, you know what? I think I found out before it was on screen because my dad told me. You know what I think it was? I got... I got a, a Christmas present, my like, inst- but it, instead of it being quote unquote from Santa Claus, my dad wrote from Vince McMahon, but he spelled Vince McMahon's name wrong. It was like Mick M A N N, like McMahon. So I knew it wasn't the real Vince McMahon. So I asked him, and they, they, I kind of like, why would the announcer send me any kind of like? Expect-? So I knew from that point forward. So it was kind of like probably like ninety three, ninety four ish that I found out. Yeah, I knew yeah. like really, really early. So I always like, I loved seeing the dynamic of Vince McMahon trying to hide the fact that he's the owner. Yeah. And I'll never forget like the whole Bret Hart when he did the announcement thing of that he's staying. It's like, I remember watching with someone else and we were both kids, like 11, 12 at the time. And they're like, why did he keep showing Vince McMahon? Because he's the owner. Yeah. He cares. <laughs> he's invested in this. You were such a smart even then. <laughs> well, Thanks to the Yellow Pages hotline. Oh, nice. Wow, yeah. When did you get the internet in your house? What year? 1997. Nice. nice. Yeah, I was I was an early adopter. I've always been an early adopter for tech. Yeah. God, thank God bless and thank my parents. Yeah. Like, if it wasn't for them, like, you know, wanting to give us whatever we asked, we, we weren't spoiled. But there were certain things that I think that they knew that yeah. we kind of needed, wanted. Yeah, they, you know? they, they provided for you. They're good and they provided, and yeah. internet was one of them. And it, a, lot, a lot was to do with my older brother. Of he was in university of at course. the time. Yeah. So, true, true, true. Know. That makes sense, of course. But yeah, yeah, I got the internet in 1999, but I was on it in like 96, 97 at the library yeah. and in school and whatever. Yeah. Anyway, so yes, 98, Ravishing Rick Rude versus Ricky the Dragon. Uh, match number 97, Ezekiel Jackson versus Christian for the ECW title, Royal Rumble 2010. You have to listen to Matt Stryker, but Christian does a really good job with a very limited wrestler. Ezekiel Jackson was better than Ahmed Johnson, better than Heidenreich, but not much above that level. Yep. That's about it. Match number 96, two guys that worked hard to provide us with a decent match despite the fact that they've had some fucking stinkers before. And that's John Cena versus John Bradshaw Layfield. World Heavyweight title, Royal Rumble 2009. The stakes made it good. The call for Michael Cole and Jerry Lawler was pretty damn good. And you know what? They had an awesome I Quit match at uh, Judgment Day, I want to say 05. Really, really good. Yeah, something like that. I think that was the only time they ever had a halfway decent match. Other than this one, this is a pretty good little match. Uh, John Cena, John Bradshaw Layfield. Tip of the cap to you, boys. Yep. Match number 95, The Miz versus my boy, my favorite, Randy Orton. Royal Rumble 2011. This is champion Miz. Uh, Randy Orton does what he, what he can. You can picture this match almost blow by blow in your head, I'm sure. Yep. Honestly, it was Miz with Alex Riley. He's doing the heel champion gimmick. Randy Orton's a fiery baby face. 
You know what you're getting. I love Randy Orton. Sue me. Listen to someone else's podcast. I don't give a shit. <laughs> no, don't do that. Yeah, don't do that. That's a tourist. Or, and don't sue me either, please. So there you go. We are at 94. We just finished 95. Matt, I'm fucking tired. Yeah, I, uh, I'm i ready for a nap. I would be easy to dump over the top rope right now. It's a good spot for Brock Lesnar or perhaps Charlotte Flair to come in. Just the real, the real mega star of the Royal Rumble. But yeah, Boris, this was a blast. Thank you to anyone who stuck through this. Honestly, you are my number one fan. You deserve to go to WrestleMania and challenge Drew McIntyre or Roman Reigns. And or Finn Balor. Or Finn Balor, if you're if you're nasty. Hopefully you can boost the NXT rating a little more than Edge did. Uh no no shots no shots to our boy, the the uh Canadian legend, although I did take a massive shot to him right now. Just unabashedly. Well, as you can tell, we're tired. <laughs> uh, Boris, do you have anything else to add? No, I don't. But you can send all hate mail to NXT. Um, to Adam Copeland at <laughs> care of no don't no, no, no. to Cody Rhodes at a no I'm joking oh my god you know we have to stop okay so realistically tons of ways you can get a hold of us we are on all the social medias we are on Instagram and Facebook it's at NXT TLK podcast so that's at NXT talk podcast you can also email us and that is show at NXT TLK podcast.com uh, so let us know say hi say what you thought of the show say what you thought of our list so far and i want to give a huge thanks to danny granger make sure to follow him on all the social media his work is awesome um and he, you know he's he's such a humble guy no. so um th- thank you again dan to for talking to us about your wrestling memories and all the other stuff that you do So I think that's it for part one. Part two comes out in one week. And we're going to go from 94 to number one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't wait it again. If you thought this one was good, well, the other one is probably of equal quality, I would say. Yes. I I would would, would (laughs) hope so. All right. So he's Matt. I'm Boris. We're NXT Talk. And this is our Royal Rumble special. (laughs) 